and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Kyle Hilliard. Hansen, I have a Nintendo Direct level announcement. Yes, please. I have I have new glasses. Wow. Don't you like them? The I look completely different now. It's a real different Clark person. Kent situation. It's uh how does it feel? Do you like it? It's the it's the clearest I've ever seen. Well, maybe not ever, what? but like I haven't gotten new glasses in almost a decade. So to have lenses that aren't smudged and, and scratched has been incredible. <laughs> Wait, you could have just swapped out the lenses on your old glasses. That's not how it works, man. Okay, great. Uh, we also have Serial Vasquez. Hello. I don't have a Nintendo level announcement. I just want you to know that there's one coming soon, but uh, we're <laughs> still working on it and we'll have more information uh, by the end of the year. That sounds perfect. Also, special guest. We can't get rid of this freaking guy. Dan Reichert. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Uh, and I got to say, Kyle getting new glasses is a Nintendo Direct level of excitement considering this last Nintendo Direct. <laughs> All right. That's appropriate. <laughs> we're going to get into it. We're going to unpack the latest Nintendo Direct. Uh, we're going to talk about Bowser's Fury, a little bit about Super Mario 3D World, all that fun stuff. Uh, Valheim, uh, Dan and I will talk about. Everybody else can, you know, chime in and crack wise. Sir, I see that gleam in your eye like you're ready to crack wise. Uh, then we have some great community questions for the back half of the show and other fun surprises in there as well. Um, Dan Riker, thank you for being here. Of course, anytime. I love uh, being here on the MinMax. That's right. MinMax.com, go to the Patreon. Do you have that URL? MinMax.com is actually, it's, it's a beautiful site. Actually, every once in a while I go there and it's like, I really did a good job a long time ago setting this thing up. It's, it's a nice looking site, but there's not, I'm, uh, it has like the schedule. The site can't be reached. Oh, wait, no, now it's going. Okay, you got a link to the Patreon. <laughs> that's a, Dan, that's two ends. Yeah, two, two ends. ends. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Support us on Patreon. You got the uh, the video. How, how old is this video with your Final Fantasy going on here? Yeah, it's mostly uh, just it's just Anna talking about how she's looking forward to Final Fantasy VII Remake. So it's as timeless as ever. Uh, we got the merch sure on there. Looking. We got a bunch sure of looking. stuff. Uh, Dan, people know you from your hot Twitch streams. Twitch.tv slash Dan Reichert. That's correct. I do the Twitch. Uh, I do video game stuff on the internet. I also do a podcast with my wife, Bianca, who's been on uh, MinMax here called Panning the Stream. Yeah, technically Bianca was on our Crossfade podcast, music podcast. She hasn't been on this show yet, but it'd be fun to line right. something up with her. But in the MinMax umbrella under the, the family, right? That's right. That's right. It's all a family. Um, I'm yes. interested, Dan, in your YouTube channel where you put sure. a lot of your Twitch streams because I'm always fascinated. Okay, just like the highlights, the good ones? Only ones that are appropriate for you, because a lot of them, a lot of my Twitch stuff is like really heavy on interaction with the chat and yeah. just running around doing dumb shit. And when that stuff doesn't really play, like if there's too much interaction back and forth and like channel points betting and all that stuff, I feel like that doesn't really play on YouTube as much. So right. only like full playthroughs of games, you know, some like kind of event streams and stuff like that. So a good chunk of them. But what fascinates me is that you have the comments turned off on your YouTube yeah. channel. Yeah. That, that's a bold move. You know what? People say that, and like there are a couple I've turned it on just to be like, man, let's see what this is like. And people are like, oh, thank God, comments finally. And I know the algorithm favors that. I've seen Leo's video. I understand how the YouTube God works. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know it's Let like it the out. smart thing to do if you are trying to become like a big YouTuber or something. Yeah. But I am not like YouTube is not a priority for me. Most like video game heavy things, I, I just tend to not have comments turned on because people just are dumbasses about video games all the time. And it's like, I don't want my mods to have to deal with it. I don't yeah. have time to deal with it. Um, but like a speed run tutorial on like, oh, Astro's Playroom, I'll maybe turn the comments on for that because maybe people are like, oh, how do I do this? And I could hop in and be like, well, I'll do this. But, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time in your busy schedule to be the co-host for the first episode of Trivia Tower, our show yes. that debuted on Monday. It's up on our YouTube channel now. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoyed that a lot. That was great. 
Yeah, so if you like, so it all kind of came, we talked about it a little bit last week, like teased it in the back half of the show, but uh, it is up now, so you can check out our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash minimaxshow. Uh, the full archive is there. Like, if you miss bar trivia, and you have always wanted a dedicated, elaborate video game trivia show, I feel like Trivia Tower is right up your alley. I know I would love watching it if I was on the outside. So hopefully folks enjoy it. And if you want to compete uh, next month, it's going to be like in the middle of every month, we're going to have Trivia Tower. So if you support us at any tier on Patreon, you can jump in the Discord and compete. And hopefully you get a good idea of how it all works from that video. But uh, it's several different rounds and stuff. And it's a, a hell of a good time. It's fun to host trivia, it turns out. Yeah, and who came up with the concept of the the Discord tiers where your mods were giving like extra like access for each floor? That's a, that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, because the so the way it works is we have like everybody that's in that MinMax Discord uh, starts out on the first floor, and then we have twenty five questions, and they move up to the second floor. And it's kind of like a trivia battle royale, moving up between the floors. I think it was me. It was confusing. It was Leo's idea to do it in Discord because I wanted to do it in the YouTube chat. But there's so much more flexibility and then realizing like, oh, crap, we can make different floors and move people up and the mods have been great. So anyways, check out that archive. Hey, uh, let's actually talk about what's going on this week. Uh, The big Nintendo Direct. People were excited when they announced this thing on Tuesday. uh, People were ready, taking off work, sitting down in front of their TV, ready to go. Selling their homes. Selling their homes. So eager. Buying stock and companies are being shorted. I was I was worried on behalf of the internet. Like, you know, I tweeted a couple times about being excited about the Breath of the Wild sequel and stuff. So I don't know if I did enough to deflate the hype. But, you know, before our, you know, uh, reaction stream, I was trying to deflate it a little bit because everybody was immediately jumping to this is going to be the Zelda 35th anniversary stream, which is like, no, no, no. Like, keep in mind that Mario one happened in September. Like, they need to save something for that window if they're going to celebrate Zelda in the big way. Kyle, you're hemming and hawing already. Well, I mean, you can't, you cannot look at a pattern. Like, you just can't. There's no pattern for this stuff. So, like, I definitely went in with, like, you know, timid expectations, but I don't think people were being ridiculous getting excited about Zelda. Like, I think that was, like, a fair thing to expect. To expect, like, Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be out soon, like, that's too much. But, like, I expected at least a little bit more for Zelda, you know? I expected a name for the Breath of the Wild sequel, so just so they don't have to keep dancing around the sequel to Breath of the Wild. Um, but Dan, I saw you were streaming your reaction. You want to explain the big setup for the Breath of the Wild sequel announcement here? Oh my god. It drove me nuts, because it's like, <laughs> I thought at the least we were going to get the 35th anniversary, like, I don't know, Ocarina Majora, Wind Waker, you know, something like that, or, or bring Twilight Princess, you know, some bigger thing we would get announced. And I was hoping for, like, well, at least we're going to get, like, a tease, just to be like, hey, remember thing that everyone wants yeah it's still happening you know maybe not details maybe not a full breakdown or anything like that but just something new to chew on and as a near near the end at the spot where there's like 10 minutes left and you're like okay we've got just enough time to get get real deep into something here show a bunch of like oh they upgraded you know look at Majora. the moon looks great um anuma shows up on the screen and i'm just like ah here we go here we go here's the thing we were waiting for they don't bring out anuma uh just anuma in front of a black screen says the legend of zelda producer here here it comes here comes the megaton as they said back in the day and then he starts out by saying uh hi you know, Breath of the Wild 2, you all want to hear more about it. No, we're not going to. We're not talking about that. He literally was just like, nah, we were going to. Hey, how about Skyward Sword? It was, it was, I think more of a, dis- well, I, what are they going to do? Like, they know that the fan, you know, fan base is at a fever pitch. They have to address it somehow. And so he's damned no matter what he does. But he got out there and just tried to immediately say like, uh, we don't have any news on Breath of the Wild. But it's even worse than that, though. 
Because then he follows it up by saying, we apologize, quote, development is proceeding smoothly. We should, should be able to bring you some new information this year. Which well, you know how you cut that out off of the pass is you say, you know, when they said like, hey, we're going to have a direct uh, tomorrow and it's going to focus on this and games from the first half of 2021. Just put a little addendum on there that says like, we will not be discussing, you know, the next uh, version or the new yeah. console announcements or Breath of the Wild. This, th- that will come at a later date just to set expectations. Yeah, you're right. Just that little addendum. And then I think with the Skyward Sword thing, I think people would be pleasantly surprised by like, oh, there actually is <laughs> some Zelda thing happening here in some way. But like the way that Anuma phrased that went for me thinking that, oh, maybe there's a chance Breath of the Wild sequel come out in March and they try and sync it up in that March window or maybe be fall. But now I'm like, this thing's not coming this year. Like, Kyle, do you have any... Am I reading too far into Anuma's very vague, we should be able to bring you some info this year? I mean, that to me, they are shortening that gap between information and release so much that I could see a Breath of the Wild 2 direct later this year for a March release. Like, I March? think that timeline... That's insane. I, I'm sorry, March 2022. Came out in March? Sorry. Oh, March 2022. Okay. Yeah, not 2021. Oh. I'm sorry. Yeah, 2022, mm-hmm. March. Like, I could see them releasing a bunch of information in, like, September, October, November, and then it coming out in March. I could, see, Or even a shorter, you know, gap. I could see that happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then there was a big reveal that, hey, Skyward Sword HD, it's coming to the Switch. Uh, Dan, you're grimacing in a way to make it seem like it's a bad game, but I... Well, I mean, Game Informer gave it a 10. It can't be bad. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I really enjoyed my time with Skyward Sword. I think there's going to be that groundswell of a little bit like what happened with Twilight Princess when that was re-released on the Wii U. And Dan, I remember you had that take of like, oh, this game's so much better than I remember it. And I think Skyward yes. Sword's going to be in the same camp. That's the immediate thing I think about is that Twilight Princess, you know, was a victim of like insane hype. I mean, that was the, uh, you know, Nintendo trailer that, you know, people were crying about and all that. And yeah. So and it was like for the people that were disappointed with Wind Waker, which they're insane, you know, because of the Zelda stuff or whatever. Everyone hyped it up so, so, so much that it was never going to deliver. That said, I remember thinking Twilight Princess was really good back when it came out. Maybe it wasn't the like ocarina killer everybody wanted it to be. Yeah. But then playing it again on Wii U, yeah, removed from all that hype and everything, and with some of the stuff kind of uh, like the wolf tier requirements and stuff uh, kind of shaved down, it was super good, and I appreciated it for having like probably the best dungeons in 3D Zelda. Skyward Sword, on the other hand, uh, has much larger issues with the whole core of the game not just the the motion stuff because i think the motion stuff will be remedied a bit by that that right analog stick deal um not having to do motion plus all the time real quick yeah but, so it, you can play with the two joy cons they have it simulating so it's like the the wiimote and unchecking and all that stuff or they have for the light version or if you want to play on the big screen it's all there's a button only control scheme for skyward sword where the right analog stick is like the angle of the sword which seems clumsy but what are you going to do which begs the question, how, Which, do you, I mean, how do you do the camera? Oh, interesting. Well, I mean, that you didn't control the camera in Skyward Sword. You just well, pressed the left button to Was there to not pull a free camera, camera at all? No. I mean, uh, e- even the, even if they did have, they could implement it so that uh, the right analog stick controls the camera while you're outside of Z-targeting, and then in, in Z-targeting, that's when the analog stick controls the That's yeah, a good point, yeah. Could be. Like a shift button type yeah, situation. The, yeah. yeah, you never had free camera control, but I... So... The big surprise for me it was the having a button version of the game. Yeah. Like I it, it's so like I my wife and I had an argument years and years and years ago about a decade ago. So I said that there would never be a button version of it. And she was like, "Of course there will be eventually." And we even made a bet that I was Ooh. like, 
it's never going to happen. And then like there's because and then I was even like even in 2019, Onuma told Brian Shea, Game Informer, I have a quote here. He's like Brian Shea asked about, you know, buttons, a, a Skyward Sword version with buttons. And Onuma said, so you're saying control it all with buttons. That's a little hard. I think it might be close to impossible. So I was like feeling pretty confident that we would never see Skyward Sword on motion controls. But then it got announced, and my wife was ecstatic because oh, she no. basically won a decade-old bet. <laughs> what was that the we bet? Made. Yeah, the bet was I said it would never happen, and yeah, she was yeah. like, what "Yeah, was, yeah, it, it was, was happen." Yeah, what was on the line? Oh, I had to tweet. Should I read my tweet? Uh, please, please. I hope so it's extra embarrassing. This is my tweet that uh, I lost the bet for about ten years ago. Ashley Godbold said Skyward Sword uh, would someday release without motion controls. Yeah. Like a big stupid jerk, I said she was wrong. We bet if it ever did, I would have to tell the internet I am the dummiest of all dummies and she knows more about video games than I. And that's true then? That's that's a real tweet it's that you a tweet. can go it's find a tweet. and like. Wow. You can't tweet it if it's not true. Yeah. It's true. It's true. It's true. The core thing <laughs> so, though, like the button deal and yeah. emotions, like that is one of the things that I was curious, like how do you fix that? Because that was kind of a pain in the ass. Like some of those boss fights, it was really kind of wonky and inconsistent. But the larger thing for me is, it is this glacial pace for like 10 hours. Like getting that game started, getting off that first Skyloft or whatever that island's yeah, called. Yeah. And then even once you're kind of past that and you're in the groove, you keep going back to the same basic areas over and over and over again in that game. That's a huge thing for me. Like they can do some quality of life stuff. Like don't have Fee explain to me what a rupee is every time I pick one. Exactly. They have yeah. to fix that, right? There's no way. Nintendo's it's part weird of the charm, dude. That's yeah. that's the intention of the game. <laughs> Shut up, you it, idiot! It, it's a little concerning that they don't that they didn't outline any of those quality of life features. If that's in there, I'm sure they could do it at some point. But I think you know they 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 abridged the the that one quest in Wind Waker, and I think they yeah. added like a dungeon to Twilight Princess, and like I think those were pretty upfront. They were pretty up upfront yes. about that stuff. Um, and here they didn't announce like, hey, like we have we fixed the control scheme, but they haven't said like, hey, the Silent Realm sections are going to be a lot shorter. The things where you're yep. swimming to collect notes underwater are going to be shorter. Remember that the flying rough, is yeah. a little bit better. They're not going to tell you about how rubies are good for tra- goods and services like every time you get one. Um, but I, I agree with Dan in that it, like uh, it is very slow. But I also feel like it is the most up and down Zelda for me because it is. Like, in terms of everything you do outside of dungeons, I think, is, like, straight up bad. But I think those outside-inside dungeons are, like, maybe my favorite Zelda dungeons in terms of how clever they are, how many cool moments there are. Like, there's the one where you're in, the in like, the sand, and then you realize, like, oh, this used to be sea, and, like, you're time-traveling, like, like spatially, where you have, like, yes. this, this area of the dungeon is, like, this kind of dome that you're kind of following will time-travel as you're moving through it, and then... Like that, all that stuff is so well done, but all the moments between that stuff, I think are just so like not interesting, boring, and sometimes frustrating. And I think you have to lead with that. Like, I don't remember how they uh, announced the Wind Waker HD thing, but like, I feel like from the get go, it was like, oh my God, they gave you, they're giving us a swift sail. So, you know, a lot of people complained Mm. about the the sailing speed that's fixed. And you mentioned the abridged quest. Yeah. The tingle map stuff at the end, which like, again, the tingle map thing is a thing you can just kind of, I know it's not that easy, but you can basically flip a switch and be like, okay, you don't have to do this part of it versus Skyward Sword being so just like massive parts of the game that aren't, if it was just fee over explaining rupees and hearts, that's something they could fix. I feel like the core experience of Skyward Sword is uh, very flawed and probably the sec- second worst Zelda game. Uh, mainline Zelda game. Mainline Zelda. Does that include Triforce mm-hmm. Heroes? That's not a mainline game, no. 
Which we'll get to some mainline game stuff later. <laughs> all right, on. I all take, right. I, I take umbrage. Umbrage, I, uh, I take. I like when they took the time in this. We're in Numa, just trying to calm down the YouTube comments. Like you can feel the hate coming. Where he's like, "Look, Skyward Sword. There are some elements in this that we kind of pulled into Breath of the Wild. Oh, like it's kind of similar." I was like, Don't ways. you dare try to compare this to Breath of the Wild. Don't you do that. It had it. Look, it had a stamina meter. Link sometimes climbs stuff. I'm saying yeah. this is the sequel you wanted. <laughs> It's basically Breath of the Wild prequence. Breath of the Wild Zero was the original title. We're actually retitling it to the prequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. That's uh, right. In the eShop. I deeply regret adding so much brattiness to Anuma. He's a good man who came out and gave a fine presentation. We're just like projecting all this smug attitude onto him. Nah, nah, nah. You guys like the new one, right? This is kind of like that. <laughs> Pre-order now. The fact that people like that game. I don't know what you guys... I hated Breath of the Wild. The, the, the weapon degradation hated it. It wasn't a part of it. I wish I hadn't designed it. Anyways, oh, I thought you were speaking as serial. Okay. <laughs> no, you still don't care. Enough people have said that about Breath of the Wild. There are people yeah. that straight up hate Breath of the Wild that love Zelda, and I just yeah. cannot wrap my head around that. It's mind-boggling. Uh, but yeah, Skyward Sword coming out July 16th. That'll be an interesting game to, to go back and revisit. Um, I'll play so, it again. Yeah, for the whole Nintendo right. Direct, I sent out a Twitter poll from our Twitter account here asking, you know, what you thought about it. Um, the number one answer was fine and some fun stuff in there. It was great, got 8%, so it was fine, got 43%. That was no good, got 23%, and the hype is our fault, got 26%. So, <laughs> Fair. Yeah. yeah, that seems like a good I mean, read. Nintendo, you're, like, they just can't, there's nothing they can do short of just tweeting out a list of what will be shown to, like, limit hype. Like, there's just, you know what I mean? I think Dan's right. Do, I think it's more know? of those little heads up. People will pay attention to that. Yeah, I, I think it's also, like, in the like short the term, I think gun, whenever, yes. whenever they announced things that were just like, here's Bayonetta 3 logo, here's Metroid Prime 4 logo, I think in the short term, that might have been the right thing to do. But in the long term, it's come to bite them in the ass because that is all that people are thinking about now is that this has to be the year. This has We have to get something from these games that, we, that have been announced and that you know are coming. And I think that has basically... Uh, spawned a cloud over every subsequent presentation they've had. It's yeah. just like, when are you going to give us the things that you promised? Right? And I've always hated that approach. I, I hate getting excited about something and then seeing like, well, that feels like infinite away. You know, that, that feels like four years from now. You know, like I, I can't even fathom what I'll be doing in four years. I like it when it's like, okay, here's the game. Here's the first time you see it. We can show you a meaty chunk of game and you can play it in three months. Like that's how I like it. Yeah, but if you just take it for the announcements that were in here, there was plenty of interesting stuff. You know, no huge juggernauts, I don't think, but... Mario Golf. Mario Golf, it seems great. Mario Golf Super Rush is the name of this thing, coming out June 25th, and it seems solid. Like, oh yeah, I like Mario Golf games, that'll be fun. And then they blew our freaking minds by having... Mario and khakis. That's right, and Wario in a cowboy hat or whatever the hell's going on. Tycoon Wario. That's the natural (laughs) progression of that character. (laughs) No, but showing off that speed golf mode where you're actually like running across the course, like rolling on an egg with your Yoshi, it seems insane to try and hit the ball before other people. It's going to be fun as hell. They've taken inspiration from that moment when you're playing mini golf that you all decide to say, screw it to scoring and just say, let's just, everyone stroke as fast as possible. We'll be, beeline to the finish. We're done. We have to. We have an hour, about an hour left before we have to get our boots. So we're leaving. Yeah, golf is fun now. Just use your putters like they're lightsabers and fight each other. I don't know. Just anything except for golf, please. Um, I thought the opening trailer was 
really fun, and I am kicking myself for not realizing where I was going first, but opening with Xenoblade Chronicles oh. 2, I was like, a second wave of Xenoblade Chronicles 2 DLC? That seems so weird. But it was going on for so long, I never thought for a second that it was secretly going to be the Smash reveal. It turns out Pyrrha and Mithra, uh, two characters in one, are coming to Smash Ultimate. I can't wait to own more Amiibo that I think is a Fire Emblem Amiibo every time I look at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. These it, ones with, are sci-fi. Totally different than medieval. Oh, man. okay. Gotcha. It's completely You're wild. Different. You're friends with Shulk. They yeah. love Shulk. They're the ones <laughs> who insist that he wears a shirt. Yeah. Um, let's see. The other big thing, like, you know, this announcement alone is huge. Splatoon 3. Yeah. Yeah. I That was like one of those things similarly to Xenoblade where I was like, oh, this must be a big expansion to, to Splatoon 2. Mm. Like for some reason, three never occurred to me until I saw the number on screen. I don't know why the timing's right. It's been long yeah. enough, you know? It, it's so funny because like I like an hour before the stream started, I just offhandedly happened to mention Splatoon 3. Like, you know what? No one's ever brought up Splatoon 3 as a thing that might be at this direct. Maybe that'll happen. And that's that what ended up being like the kicker at the end of the conference. Nice. People well, the whole start, like the whole like Mad Max start of them in this like apocalyptic wasteland. Yes. I kept waiting for like, what is, is this a new type of thing in this Splatoon universe? Is this going to be a battle royale? Is this going to be like a weird story? mode like, yeah, like a single then, like, oh, like, well, no. there is already single player yeah like, i mean like depth single player yeah, or something. Yeah. this is i i've been meaning to but i from what i played of the first splatoon like that is a hundred percent where that storyline was going is just like the uh, splatoon is a post-apocalypse universe yeah where like history has like the world has flooded and then like people just eventually evolved into squid kids well the part that i'm trying to figure out though is it seems like it might be connected. Maybe this is a stretch, but Splatoon fans, please let me know. But the last Splatfest was in 2019, and that was the big final Splatfest they were billing it as, and it was Chaos versus Order. And it was, like, very much themed like that. Like, Chaos was the post-apocalyptic world, and Order was, like, a more unified world. And it turns out that Chaos won. And so I don't know if fans are reading into it, but a lot of people in the Reddit are like, well, this is because Chaos won, then they shifted the tone of this world or just maybe the tone of like the reveal trailer to make it seem like it's more post-apocalyptic before the character goes to the new town, which is not Inkopolis anymore. It's called Splatsville. And of course it exists in the Splatlands is the name of the region. Mm. This is deeper lore than I think the paint this thing the most game deserves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's, for. That's, that story mode I, I have reason to believe is, is somewhat wild in terms of what it implies. Not necessarily like that story is, is like meaningful or deeper or whatever, just like the idea of like, oh, we're just going to offhandedly toss off this reference to the apocalypse. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I uh, I love that trailer, man. Spirited Away reference in there randomly, like <laughs> felt out of place. I don't yeah, know. Like sitting, true. waiting for the bus, you mean? Yeah, it was framed almost identical for the to the not waiting for the bus, but on the bus. Oh, like sure. It's, it's Chihiro on the bus, like almost or train rather, almost exactly. It feels like. Yeah, I love that trailer. Like I know we we're all just clamoring for more announcements and stuff, but if you look at that trailer on its own, it had such a weird, cool vibe, sub, like vibe, just subdued overall. Like the idea of yeah. the uh, inkling going into the city and then just like the drum slowly building. It was just. Awesome. Eiffel Tower, Tower upside down. It was a really sweet, and then like cutting to black, then the drums just kick in super loud. Like I thought it was really well done. I wonder if they knew how like that they had to close strong on this because they weren't going to have you know any of the things people wanted. Well, like obviously Splatoon Three is something that people wanted, but like I wonder if they just got like the the you know that guy who directed the Breath of the Wild trailer. We need to get him on this. This has to be like a killer trailer. This trailer has to be our top trailer. Uh, But yeah, like that that trailer was really strong. But I think the the one thing that is 
concerning about the the presentation over all of the direct is that they showed uh, trailers. They mentioned that they were going to have like in the first half of the year. And then yeah. they showed a few trailers for games that are hitting next year. And they didn't show a trailer for Zelda, which like obviously it's hard to predict with Nintendo. But that makes me think uh, Breath of the Wild is, is further away than than even those games. But for all we know, it is like a announced and released within four months or something. Yeah, I feel so like I could see them saving literally everything about that game for like its own like 40 minute oh, blowout yeah. direct, you know? Yeah, for sure. But yes, Splatoon 3, they just said 2022. And so, yeah, maybe I, that's going to be. I would love to not know anything about Breath of the Wild 2 and just be able to buy it. And I feel like if there's any game that they could maybe do that with. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's Breath of the Wild too. Just on title alone, I would love that. You know, my like, I'm always like clamoring for that. Like, I just want the next Chris Nolan movie to just be called Chris Nolan's new movie and don't have any trailers, <laughs> nothing, no summary. Just you have to go to a theater and see it or rent it at home. Warner Brothers, I would love, love that. that for Breath of the Wild. Uh, they Kyle, love that marketing movies. My parents yeah, have an awesome. Know. My parents have an awesome cabin out in the woods, and I can yeah. just come get you when Breath of the Wild <laughs> two is out. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's that's a that's guaranteed a haunted cabin, right? With a notebook. Yeah, that's the haunted cabin. You try and survive it for one night, let alone for it's kind of terrifying. It is a very spooky cabin. Hey, if you're listening to this, don't go to that cabin. Um, other things that they announced, of course, we all saw this coming. Project Triangle Strategy, which is the new game from, of course, Square Enix, our, our dear friends, uh, and it's the same team as Octopath Traveler. And this one yeah. seems cool. It's very inspired by Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah, yes. it's... It is part of the long lineage of working titles becoming the final title series. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what it ends up being. But Dan, are you excited for that thing? You like those ingredients, right? Yeah. So I did like a full 180 on that because like it was up until that point they had been showing a bunch of games that were just like, ah, this is not for me. It's a bunch of JRPG type stuff. And I was like, all right, I need a Dan game next. And then like all of a sudden these portraits and all these, these words and pragmatic, you know, the, the loyal. It's, it looked like anime stuff or whatever. It's like, okay, instantly tuned out. This is not a Dan game. And then I saw the art style and I was like, ooh, that looks pretty sharp. And HD 2D series, I don't know what that is. And then I heard Bianca yell from the other room. She's like, yes! And I was like, wait, why would she be excited? And I realized, oh, this is Octopath. Like, she loves Octopath. And then I realized it was a tactics game. Yeah. And I do, as much as I'm not a JRPG guy, I love Final Fantasy Tactics, you know, where the lines advance, all that stuff. Uh, so this super actually looks up my alley. And also, I have not looked into this, but someone tweeted me right before I came on here that they downloaded that demo thing that's yeah. up now in the eShop, and the Art Dink logo showed up at the beginning. Oh, your Tale of the Sun boys. Tale of the Sun. Yes, they're still <laughs> around. They're still called Art Dink and apparently still making games. Weird. Were they involved in Octopath? I don't know. I'm okay. not sure. Huh. That's a weird one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah that's I, a little surprise. I played the first battle in that demo. Uh and it's it is I will say that it is slow, but it has a lot of interesting ideas. Uh, thing is that you know if you're playing like tactics, uh, and I, I don't know, I, I haven't played ta tactics, so I I'm not sure if this is a thing. But like after you issue a, uh, an an order to your unit, you can position which way they're facing. Mm -hmm. So you can say like I'm going to use fire or whatever, and then to end your turn, you you face a direction and there's all sorts of like if you're backstabbing someone it'll do double damage or like there are certain spells yeah there's all these like there, there are certain spells that you can make a wall of ice that can prevent which means people have to go around um yeah it ended up being like a pretty long battle for like there were maybe i killed maybe like eight units total and it took about like half an hour just because wow I, a lot of it is not being familiar with the interface uh i will say and just like how think how you're supposed to command units but 
like it seemed pretty solid overall. Like um, cool. I, I, I like the look of that combat. There are, you know, the story doesn't really, it, it's like this in the middle of it. So it's like hard to know, but it seemed, it seemed interesting enough to where like, I didn't play Octopath Traveler, but I'm interested in this. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That, uh, that sounds very tactics. I mean, like I viewed each one of those, not like a, uh, a traditional final fantasy battle, but more like a little individual chess game. And it is like, okay, well I attacked them and now I want to make sure my back isn't exposed to these yeah. characters. And that sounds very tactics. Which did, did tactics also use like the staggered turn order where it's like, okay, your unit, then their unit, then your unit, then yes. their unit. Okay. And you so, can yeah. do a thing where it's like, I cast slow on you or whatever. And that bumps yeah. you down the, the like priority thing. Yeah. Yeah. There are certain attacks where you can push people, things like that. Yeah. Sweet. Nice. Uh, other things, let's see. Mario stuff's going to be in Animal Crossing. The coolest thing is you can get the warp pipe on your Animal Crossing island. It's like, yeah, that'd be cool just to have That's an immediate cool. teleport thing in Animal Crossing. Um, they announced Star Wars Hunter which is a free-to-play game that's also going to be on phones that Zynga's developing, but they say it's third person and it takes place between episodes six and seven. So they're they're trying to build it up that you're actually going to care about these characters. Like, even on their official site, it's like, I saw you got a tease of the Wookiee and other exciting characters coming and some sort of new Sith, which is weird in that time frame, but who knows? It's a Zynga game. Um, World's End Club. What do you mean by that, Ben? It's great. Zynga's <laughs> back. I don't, I don't know what the last game they made. I, I, I don't know. Together. Maybe that should be a new show plus show is uh, we could just Zynga. dive into Zynga stuff. Cause I don't know if I've ever played a Zynga game in my life. I think most of them are Buzzinga. Yeah, that was yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, World's End Club. It's from the Danganronpa team. So that, that crowd seemed excited about that, which is great. Um, Knockout City, which I really, it was a roller coaster ride where it started out very Incredibles intro of like these different video game characters talking about playing video games and then i was getting excited about like oh all these different art styles mashed together like counter-strike versus this 8-bit character it's gonna be awesome then they show the game and they all like unify the art style which seems to be the antithesis of what that was setting up and what was exciting about that premise yeah i had the same reaction i was like oh the in game they all look similar it was like it, it was an odd choice yeah, yeah and so it's technically dodgeball or dodge brawl as they put it but then i had another 180 where it turns out that vlan studios is developing it who is from the founders of Vicarious Visions, um, and they recently made Mario Kart Live Home Circuit. I was like, oh, they did a good job with that. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what that studio does, and I know there's previews out there, but I haven't checked out too much about it yet. But. The gameplay looked pretty, like, drawn to death to me, which, you know, yeah. It, it yeah. kind of, yeah. It, it also strikes me, I, I feel like I, Knockout City could be another name for Rocket Arena. Yeah. And so I, I think I'm just yeah. going to get the Ninjala. Two two games you know. confused right also ea partner for knockout cities just like yeah. uh, rocket arena it's an odd one um and then i am still trying to wrap my mind around this one neon white uh which is an assassin in heaven and it's published by annapurna and it looks so different for annapurna game and it's from ben esposito the developer of donut county um but it's like a first person game that's card based and you're running around this environment killing people in heaven it looks wild it looks very japanese platforming heavy it looked kind of like a mirror's edge type of like real fast first person yeah. platforming and stuff but with a totally like different dude, aesthetic yeah and it's like every element like you mentioned every individual element seems like are you sure sh- like i would fact check it if i were writing it up like as a news bit of like okay that are you sure it's developed by esposito and published yeah. by annapurna and that it looks like this and it's got this weird heaven and hell thing and, and that it's also card based well, just uh, but case, it looks cool. It does look cool. Just in case you're confused about it, Surreal, there's a quote on the official uh, press release here. Quote, this is from uh, 
game designer and creator Ben Esposito. Neon White is a first-person action platformer inspired by Y2K-era anime and cult classic character action games. Our goal is to make the sickest game on the demo disc. It's wild and over-the-top, right. and it's 100% earnest. It's a campy anime speedrunning game made for freaks by freaks. <laughs> Man, sickest it game I, I like, demo disc. That's a great like, way to describe a game. Yeah, I like. You lost me at four freaks by freaks, but sickest, <laughs> sickest demo on the demo disc. I like. I'm into that. Yeah, you say four freaks. Kyle says bye freaks. Anyways, that was an Nintendo Direct. Bio freaks. The N64 fighting game. That's right. You constantly scream about it. Um. Oh, also, uh, Metopia is coming to Switch. That that yeah, bizarre finally. 3DS game. Maybe that'll capture like a little bit of that Animal Crossing weird social aspect about people just making me's and then watching each other. I don't know, watch Abe Lincoln shower or whatever happens in Metopia. It's so weird because like Mies, like it's easy to forget that they're still around, except for if you <laughs> yes. see like someone's like friend icon. Like uh, during the Wii era, everyone had a Mii because everybody was playing Wii sports and you wanted to play tennis as yourself. And then every console generation past that, it's just like, yeah, they're still there, but no one uses them. So it's like to make a whole thing that's based on like a suite of Mies is weird. Yeah. 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 It's it's cool like, to see you have to go deep shot. into the settings to like find mm-hmm. where to make your yeah hey that's the direct did we miss anything that stopped anybody else yeah no more heroes 3 has a release date august 24th yeah what do you think about that gameplay i think it looks okay uh i'm not crazy about the premise uh like the alien stuff seems to me a lot less interesting yeah uh they're they're adding what i what looks like the abilities from uh travis strikes again which is you know things that are basically on a cooldown and you equip and then like you know there was one where he was like firing all these like lasers or missiles or some sort of magic enemies which you couldn't do in the first two games so it seems like they're taking some of the ideas that worked in travis strikes again and adding them here but uh in terms of like the look of it i think it looks it's stylish but it's like very very campy so i'm kind of i like i'm interested to see what that stuff all looks in context but like i'll, I'll play it but i think maybe my excitement for it is maybe a little diminished unless they do something weird which you know some of those boss battles you know one of them had like an rpg command system yeah that was so crazy it's like they're like all those boss fights are going to be more set pieces than like actual fights, which seems like up Suda's alley for sure. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, you had some of the Wii U debut is going to be coming to the Switch. <laughs> that's right. Ninja yeah. Gaiden trilogy. That's actually, Dan, that's the one I was going to bring up actually. Really? Yeah. And I will, and I will never forget that opening sentence that, that you wrote, reuse Wii U debut. It's, it's always stuck <laughs> in my brain. Too. But like, uh, Ninja Gaiden, like, I p- really tried to play that game when it came out and I found it so frustrating and like I would revisit it every couple of years and like maybe I will like it now and I like I never do and this is it might be another round of that yeah. but I'm excited to have that opportunity to like give it another shot. I will absolutely play that on Switch. I did not well, you're, you're and it was genuinely one, right? surprising. What's you're that? referring to the first Ninja Gaiden or the, the reboot first one? Oh okay. Yes, that one, the yeah, first that's one definitely worth playing. The second one's all right. The third yeah. one's pretty terrible yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that first one is hard as hell but super good yeah you can, you can yeah. play that game comfortably on easy and not feel bad about it because it's still pretty tough there and it's i, I think that game is incredible mm-hmm. but yeah i think that, the last the, time i tried it was vita there was a vita release Sigma, and it Sigma yeah Black i played okay yeah. but like i was still I, like i don't know i'm still not really having fun and i don't know why i keep thinking i will eventually but okay i, I help keep me trying, out. i keep buying it i mean this has been something <laughs> i've been tracking for 20 years now ninja gaiden black on the original xbox that is Mm -hmm. the same as sigma that's coming out on the switch so so there's ninja gaiden which was the xbox game ninja gaiden black was kind of like a game of the year edition that had some extra content and stuff in it ninja gaiden had had an easy uh, mode on it right yeah ninja ninja dog mode uh ninja uh, ninja gaiden sigma was the ps3 version Mm -hmm. uh because I think there was some weird thing where Itagaki didn't want to have 
his games on X or on PlayStation because he was an Xbox guy. So I think they just made some changes or whatever and then just retitled it. Okay. And then the Sigma Two is like the complete version of Two. And then Ninja Gaiden 3 didn't get a Sigma. Sigma dies in the second one, I guess. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the, the fall off in that in that series is pretty evident because like the, the first one I think is fantastic. The second one is fine. And then the third one break my PS3. So mm, Okay, perfect. Great. <laughs> hey, uh, let's talk about the uh, games we can play here. Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. Um, mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome, awesome to finally have 3D World on the Switch. I absolutely love that game and just like you know real quick just for a nerdy corner i was looking at sales numbers um that game 3d world on the wii u sold 5.8 million copies great selling game but i'm so that's great numbers yeah but for everybody else like i'm so excited for so many people to dive into that game because i think in terms of 3d mario games that is definitely underrated but i mean compared to like odyssey sold 20 million uh, Galaxy just sold 12, which seems shockingly low, but still, I think this is just going to mop up on Switch. Well, I remember thinking it was crazy, the uh, the sales discrepancy between Galaxy and a new Super Mario Brothers Wii. Yeah. Like, new new Super Mario Brothers, like, just blew it out of the water. That, but, uh, like, yeah, know, it sold... so much more bold. You oh, know? yeah, yeah, Galaxy sold 12 million, on, 12 million on the Wii, and the new Super Mario Brothers on the Wii sold 30 million. Yeah. yeah. Well, the yeah. Wii sold to so many people that hadn't owned a video game console since yeah. yes. for years. Like, they were... That's like, oh, that looks like old Mario. That's the Mario I remember. So I kind of understand why that one outsold it. It shouldn't have. Yeah, it was also a pack in at some point. I think there was like some version of the console that came so. with it. So I, which yeah, I don't like think Galaxy console. ever was. Yeah. And 3D yeah. World's fantastic, but unfortunately, Dan insists that it's not a real Mario game. Not in the timeline. It's it, a great impression. It's a great impression. Thank you. But let me let me fix this right now. Somebody out to me. I think it was Serial that said that. No, it was Serial and Ben saying this. And I'm pointing <laughs> at the camera that you're not seeing if you're listening to the podcast. Uh-huh. But the me saying it is not a mainline Mario game is not a quality. I understand thing. that it is a categorization thing. That's it. That's it. So you the can't mainline series. I'll say it again. Mario, Mario two, Mario three, Mario world, Yoshi's Island, which is Super Mario world Two, sixty four, sunshine, galaxy, galaxy two, odyssey. That, that is the mainline series based on your you- criteria, your nonsense criteria versus like the actual development team and the talent and the full force of Nintendo. I mean, Sure, that's all well and good, but some site <laughs> called me a Mario historian a few months ago. So who are you some trust? site was it your Twitter? I will account? say that for, for the record, I, I will say that I did say on that podcast that you were not the only one, and I think I, I my lots issue of people was that, can like, be wrong. Well, 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 my issue was that like not that the category stuff, which is one thing, but like the the fact that people kind of rate this as one of the lower tier Mario's in terms of like no. oh yeah, this is this is not on the level of all, all these other great Mario games, but you know it's fine or whatever which i disagree with completely here's a simple way to look at it when i talk about the mainline ones they're all single player experiences that kind of follow a natural progression you know throughout the the console generations and everything it's all single player adventures and stuff this is a this is a different type of thing it's kind of these linear levels four player you know it's it's directly following up on the 3d land game and that's why 3d land makes your criteria no it doesn't that's why i'm saying i'm saying that's a single player experience well, but it's on a 3DS, so, so yeah. that doesn't count. <laughs> I mean, Link Between Worlds counts for mainline Zelda, doesn't it? Um, so sit down before you fall down, Dan. Yeah, Link Between Worlds does. Link Between Worlds does. But Mario Land, I always saw as a different thing. Like the Mario <laughs> Land series was part of the like Game Boy portable Mario. And you're putting 3D okay. Land more in the Mario Land freak no. sideshow? No, no. 3D Land and 3D World are in the 3D series. 
the lands Tom. one and two. I don't really count Mario Land three, Mario Land, but it's got Mario Land in the title. Those are the that's the land series. There's the three series so and the mainline series. This and then you so got stupid. the sports and horse stuff. You know, like no, I don't mean that. That's not a quality thing. I think those are great games too. <laughs> Some horse is great. Yeah, I mean there was that part in the timeline where like Super Mario sixty four fractured the timeline, and there's there's future Mario and past Mario, yeah. and then does does Mario lose to Bowser? That's a third time. Yeah. Look, they finally exactly. canonized it in an art book yeah. that came out a couple of years ago. I regret. Even brought this up, Dan. It's like you coming over and have like sp- I've spread crayons around my living room floor, and they're not organized by color. But it's like, no, it makes sense. Clearly, it's organized this way. It's like based on what? It's like only my own vision. It's only organized okay. this way through your weird viewpoint that you're adamant about, and it makes no sense. Take away all the other stuff about land and through, like if if there's just a mainline series, that all makes sense logically. They are single player Mario adventures. 3D land. That you, 3D land. Mario, well, 3D land. Well, I mean, <laughs> okay. It's hard to find that logic. Yeah, it's a shout land president is. I mean, uh, to, to put aside like the categorization stuff, I think a uh, 3D Mario is a gay uh, a Mario in which you control control Mario in 3D space. But I do get what you mean in that this feels like a 2d mario that you just happen to control mario in three dimensions because it is level based it has the like in this level there are three hidden things that you have to find and then like you use those as currency to unlock stuff like i totally get why this feels so different from something like galaxy or 64 where it's like just collect x number of these things in this level um but like i all that categorization stuff aside i think this is to me one of my favorite mario i'm totally with you yeah I, sometimes I, I bounce back and forth between 3D Land and this one because I love 3D Land the more I replay it. But, I mean, I've had so many good times playing co-op for 3D World, it probably takes the edge. Hanson, one of my favorite 3D Land memories was when it came out and we were like a couple weeks in and me, you, and Tim were all playing it. And we came oh, in and no. me and Tim were like, yeah, the only thing we don't like about it is just like lives don't matter. We've got like 8,000 lives and you're looking at us like we're insane. And you're like, I am always by the skin of my teeth at like one life or zero life. <laughs> I'm very bad. I'm a total Mario poser. I didn't grow up playing this stuff at all. So I always feel just horrible at all Mario games. But yeah. um, 3D World, I mean, fantastic. Is there anything new to say about it? I mean, if you have never played it, absolutely jump in. Yeah. And online, I think also yeah. online, online I think yeah. brings up one of my favorite. Well, I, I think a lot of the reason people don't like it is because, well, you know, it's like a co-op thing. So it's it, it is somehow lesser because of that. I think that it's like, well, you know, the, the spaces are so big, which makes the level so slow. But I think that that is one of the game's strongest like suits. I think that the fact that you can play co-op, I think makes it such a fun experience that only that game has. And, you know, like there are other co-op Mario games, but I think the 2D stuff just ends up being too chaotic in, yeah, for in sure. a way that makes the, the mm-hmm. co-op less fun. Whereas I think this is like a really, really well put together co-op game that you can also enjoy um, single player. So I think that, that to me, that's not something to discount. Yeah, yeah, and there's the right amount of co-op insanity where it's like, you know, there are times where, oops, I accidentally threw you over an edge and, and you died or whatever. Or we're racing to get this thing and I got it first and we get in a fight over it. But it's it's the good kind of that versus the like sometimes the four player on like New Super Mario Brothers Wii. It's just like, ah, we're all just jumping on each other's heads and we can't like we can't progress because it's just too chaotic. Everyone just go in a bubble and we'll go forward. You know, like that, that happens less in this. Yeah, that and like the perspective, like the kind of isometric perspective, I think it ends up being like pretty solid for platforming and, and like in, in terms of 
of like you get that 3d feel but you also have a good idea of where you're gonna land which yep. some like there are some levels in even galaxy that feel like okay where like if i wasn't looking at my shadow it would be hard to know where i'm going especially as you're spinning around planets and stuff but like yeah i think this game is just uh like 3d world i think is awesome and then we get to Bowser's Fury, which according to Dan's criteria would fit right in there as a mainline 3D Mario because it only makes sense in his head. Explain well, how that I mean, doesn't Mario's work. Dan. Not, the word Mario is not in the title, so that's disqualified <laughs> oh, right away. Jesus Christ. That's so stupid. But Bowser's Fury, uh, this is the, the new thing for the Switch version. This is a lot different than I was expecting. Like yeah. the camera, it feels... I want to know the development history of Bowser's Fury so badly i want to know like was it prototyped back then in the 3d world engine and then just left as a scrapped and and then they just finished it for this it's such a weird thing to like remix 3d world and basically give it more of the classic 3d mario camera and then start to experiment with open world mario design there's a thousand interesting things about this thing it still feels like 3d world's mechanics so like i, I saw people saying like oh i, I bet it's like a scrapped odyssey dlc but mm. then as soon as i started playing it and it's like well no you even have those tiny things like if you do the the butt stomp and immediately hit y you do that same dive from 3d world it's yeah like, i think this is just straight up 3d world controls but they just made it this big open world thing and gave you a free camera which is wild I mean, you could even like say it's half and half, right? Where they're like, here are a bunch of ideas. Here's like an idea for one or two levels. But at some point they realized, oh, we're going to re-release this game. So we're going to have to rebuild it in this engine. And so they they said like, well, we're going to take these kind of concepts for like the waterfall level or and like have the, you know, have levels that kind of interconnect a little bit uh, and then just kind of build it with these tools in mind. I think that that to me seems like my guess. But yeah, um, it's it's definitely like, it felt weird, but I think the closest analog to me was Odyssey and not 3D World, even though that it has that game's uh, basic moveset. Yeah, it feels like a Super Mario 3D like art project, student art project. Something like here's this smaller experimental bizarre thing, and I was really frustrated just as a nerd because I was looking forward to seeing like who's the director on this, who who was behind this, where did it come from, and then they do the very noble thing of having the credits all alphabetical it's like damn it i can't actually see anybody's title which is frustrating but kyle you seemed hot on this thing i love it man i think the only negative thing i have to say about it is sometimes i would kind of get annoyed that i'd have to wait for bowser when you get really deep into it yeah you're up in the like the 70 80 cat shines there were a couple (laughs) that i'm like oh well i just need to sit here and wait but like outside of that i loved it i like if this is like the direction for the next mario i'm 100 percent on board like i absolutely love the open world i love just sort of coming across challenges i like how the uh what's the the sea creature's name i forget its name but let's see yeah even how that's integrated where she just like pops up when you need her like it's like it's it's weird like they just like predict where you'll need her or she just shows up because you've been swimming for a while like mm-hmm. I really loved it. I also just loved the lack of um, fall damage. Like you can go to the highest spot and you can jump from the highest spot and you just get this awesome like 45 second fall of Mario with his feet under him and you just like land and do the gymnastics like hands up in the air. I, I really enjoyed it a lot. Like I it's on that I will remember when it comes to end of the year discussion. Oh, me. wow. You mentioned the Bowser stuff, and it's like, it's kind of crappy, but it makes it way, way easier if you have a Bowser Amiibo, which I've got like six permutations of one. If you do that, it just pops up immediately. So it's like, I would get to a Fury Block or something, but boop, there you go, and he shows up. like, I like it. Like, that was like, waiting for it occasionally was a bummer, and sometimes, like, I would be in the middle of a jump, and he would show up, but like, 
there was that thing that was effective where it was like there's a level of intensity to it and seeing him sort of like raising slowly mm-hmm. in the distance like like with the goo like it was just this cool experience and i loved how short it was too it's just this like i love this like triple a experimentation i don't know if that's yeah. accurate but like it yeah. just feels like they put a lot of money in this little experiment and i would love to see more stuff like it you know yeah. like I mean, tacked on or sold for like 15 bucks on the e-shop or something like that i, I loved it yeah, like I, as much as I love, like when a, an Odyssey level thing comes out and it's like, I want to spend dozens of hours getting every single thing in this. It's like, as soon as you're finished, it's like, man, do I have to wait like five years for another one of these things? Versus like, I, I wonder if I would almost prefer, like, give me a Bowser's Fury level thing, like every, you know, 18 months or something. <laughs> yeah, Bowser's Fury episode two. Yeah, I think by the end of it, I was wondering, <laughs> I'd like, be there day one. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I was trying to figure yeah. out, like, is this the scope that the design can handle? You know, at what point is it being limited yeah. by the open world design? Having Bowser pop up is cool the first couple times, but definitely by the end, it's like I I've had enough of this rinse and repeat formula. Even just yeah, like in I, the in the main trying to do the actual quest, it's like okay, this is the part where okay, go get the bell, fight him a couple times. Like being big cat Mario is like cool the first time, and then after that, it's like eh, this is fine. It's just yeah, a I slower version the, of running around. You definitely start seeing like how they take a lot of those ideas and just say like, here's this level. We're going to have you complete kind of like the same loop of like five objectives mm-hmm. here where it's like, get to the, get to the end of the level. You find the, the, the five hidden like cat uh, pieces and then you get a shrine and then you have to come back later at some other point to get like the, here's like the time limited jump puzzle. And then here's the one where you have to destroy the blocks. And then they basically find a way to implement that into every kind of like isolated level. And so by the end of it, you're okay. I know what five sh- shines are here. Um, and so like that ends up being maybe a little bit repetitive, but I like the Bowser stuff because I think it, it's like one of the clever things they do with difficulty in this game where it's on some level, it's like the, it's like super easy where you have like the, the bank of power-ups and you can just always, you always have access to everything. Yeah. And there are even some shines where it's like you get the little propeller box thing and you can just take that to another shine and just completely like eliminate any challenge. But there are also times where like, okay, I'm in the middle of this thing and Bowser's appeared. Okay, well, I guess I'm just doing this a harder version of this jump puzzle thing. And I'm just going to have to get through it while he's also throwing fire at me. And I have to get behind the little the, the, the blocks and stuff to make sure I don't get hit. It's cool how much it rearranges it too. Like sometimes there's even benefits when Bowser shows up. Like, oh, platform over here. This makes it a little bit yeah. easier. It's just It's not immediately just, oh, now it's in hard mode. It's just a remixed mode. There are times, uh, it's very rare, but I almost never see this in, in a Nintendo game where something just kind of breaks uh, an objective or something you're trying to do. And the, the one that stands out to me is I was trying to do like some of the shines I thought were kind of boring or there's those cats that want to find, you have to bring other like tiny cats to this big cat. Yeah. And one of them is you got to carry this thing and you can't really run while you're holding it. You got to get on this ice flow and wait a long time. You know, you can't really speed it up or anything. And in the middle of holding this cat, and like just waiting for this ice flow to get to the next thing, Bowser showed up, which turns the kittens into evil kittens. Oh. And so it's just like in my hands, I just watched this thing turn purple and attack me. And it's like, well, there's nothing I could have done about that. That was just yeah. bad luck, which Nintendo typically doesn't do that type of right. stuff. Right. I think that yeah. like sums up some of my feelings about it where I like it. I mean, 3D Mario team is unbelievable. So, you know, it's it's pizza. It can only get so bad, right? But there are times where I, I love 3D World and 3D Land, especially just for how clean the design is. It's just, you know, exactly what your objectives are. Go do it. And this feels like one of the messiest, not the messiest 3D Mario, just in terms of design, just small things like you mentioned, Dan, or even just things like, okay, uh, I got to collect all the cat shine pieces to get the cat shine piece here. 
I don't know what the range of this quote unquote level is. Where it's like kind of this sure. island, but then there's like a platform going over here. Is that part of the arena? Just having like, it's a little mushy design wise at times. But. Yeah, and I think that, that speaks to kind of my larger concern about it, which isn't necessarily a problem with the game, but because I, I like, I really like this game overall, but there was this thing in the back of my mind where I'm kind of the opposite of Kyle, where I, I don't necessarily want it to go this direction because this feels like a lot of what Odyssey did that I wasn't a fan of was this felt like hide and seek Mario, where it's like mm. you're you're asking yourself where you're supposed to go next of like you're kind of searching through all the nicks and crannies and trying to find everything. Whereas in my favorite Mario's like and it's especially clear because this game is bundled with 3D World, one of the most like what I call like tag Mario, where it's just like just get to the end. Like here's a platforming challenge. Yep. Get to the end of it. You know, maybe there's some side stuff along the way. And this feels like a very hide and seek Mario. And like I don't like having to figure out where to go in a Mario game. I like seeing like a rotating piece of like here's like this abstract geometry that you have to like make a coordinated series of jumps off of. Like that to me is like pure Mario to me. Whereas this like okay fine go and search for this part of it and then go over here like that that to me is not as fun yeah i just love that consistent world like i like like 3d world as much as i love it it does and most you know mario level based games it just feels like a series of challenges you know what i mean but like you know mainline mario games the galaxies the 64 and stuff like that like they feel like a cohesive place that you kind of get to hang around in where 3D World doesn't really feel like a cohesive place. It just feels like a series of challenges that are very yeah, enjoyable. Sure. So I think like Bowser's Fury really capitalizes on that specific element that I just happen to love in Mario games. You know, sure. I, I hear yeah. you. And what, like, what, I, do you, what do you think, Jeff? Jeff <laughs> He's been here the whole time. <laughs> Dan, yeah. I don't know. Does that sound the like Jeff is frustrated? Is, is it, is, like, this is a very minor thing, but like the between playing through all of 3D land, like, last week and then playing through 3d world and then playing bowser's fury nintendo has to be super proud of the boom boom and pom-pom boss fights because mm -hmm. they are they are so common in all three of these games and they're like no you're gonna have to do these like three or four times <laughs> they really like those fights yeah boom I, boom pom-pom there are better names like uh in 3d world there was a uh, histocrat and I was yeah. like, oh, this better be like a fancy snake. And I went in and said, yeah, it's a fancy snake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking about like the open world design and how you don't like exploring that so much, Surreal, like I had a weird feeling where I was playing this and I was like, it's an open world, but why does it not really feel like that? What does this remind me of? It reminds me of something. And it's a strange coincidence now, but I realized, oh, it reminds me of Skyward Sword, where it's like, it's an huh. open world, but like you're taking Plessy from island to island where the actual challenges are actually taking place so i'm curious what a 3d open world mario would look like a better line to draw maybe Maybe not to like fuck no. with your own metaphor no that's, that's yeah. probably fair Those are like isolated islands with like interconnected yeah but i yeah. wonder what it looked like if it was just you know all one landmass instead of being broken up by these swimming sections or plessy yeah, sections I, I will say that it does kind of refine a little bit of like you know that hide and seek thing with with odyssey where it's like oh you can just do a butt stomp and then like if you've if you did it in the right spot and your controller vibrated like here's a shine or uh, here's a, a moon mm -hmm. yeah whereas this feels like they've, they've kind of pared it down a little bit there's still like a hundred but every every one of them feels like okay you're doing something at least meaningful or like that feels like it makes sense when you see the big button it's okay here's i'm gonna have to do some platforming stuff the last one is always gonna be get to the end of the level then do the level backwards with the key in your hand um and and then at the end once you beat bowser they're like here are the rest of the shines go find like just go go to town on solving all these little puzzles yes. instead of like give you where do i go right and then they have that really cool thing where it's like every time bowser appears there's this golden island that has mm -hmm. like five 
cat shines on it and you're supposed to head there every time Bowser appears. And I, so I, they, they do a better job of making the hide and seek stuff not feel so like you're kind of meandering. They never explained the uh, shadow Luigi though. What's the, that's not Gooigi. Yeah. What's going on with him? Oh yeah. And it's not Bowser Jr. Cause he's no. with you. Shadow Mario and was and Sunshine was Bowser Jr. Yeah. Exactly. That's weird. What's yeah. Going on? I was really uh, dumbstruck too by like the way they changed the presentation of having Bowser Jr. talk. We had to go back and double check it, but like in Sunshine, he talks, right? And then in this one, he's Super Mario Peach. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. In this one, he's just kind of like miming and then has like a bunch of signs that he's painted on and stuff. And then it just pops up like text deciphering oh. what he's actually saying. I love the paintings. Those are fun. That is really cool. Yeah. Um, but hey, Bowser's Fury. Yay. Yeah. Yay. Awesome. Good. Awesome. Good. Everything's good in it except for those gross cat Koopas with the wet fur. They just look nasty. It's like, ugh. They're gross. There's a lot of cat stuff in that game. It's too much cat stuff. Hey, uh, Valheim. Yeah. Of course, we all predicted this would be the biggest game in the world. I, I hear it's music coming from the other room right now as Bianca plays it. Oh, my God. Uh, so this is a game uh, published by Coffee Stain, the Goat Simulator people, developed by a Swedish team called Iron Gate. It's... Four, right now, at least according to their site, it's four full-time people and one contract worker. And the CEO is kind of like the main programmer for this thing. Uh, it's big. It's sold over 2 million copies. It's the second most played game on Steam right now. What is going on? I played I've enjoyed it. But I just keep thinking, why this? Out of all the survival yeah. games, Valheim. All right. I guess it's just approachable enough. I... I think that must be it because I haven't played like isn't Rust one of the big ones? There's like a bunch of them that oh, sure, like, are yeah. really big, like Rust and Raft and Shark or whatever. They're, you know, all these games on Steam, and yeah, Shark, I'm never interested in those. Yeah, <laughs> this is one of them where it's like all of a sudden I had not heard of this game at all, and then I heard from like three or four different sources, whether it's uh, you know my friend Alex texting me about it or hearing about it online, and people being like, "Oh my god, I can't stop thinking about Valheim." Mm-hmm. I was like, "All right." I, I got to check it out. You know, I never play these types of games. It's just that genre of just like, I'm going to rub a rock and a stick together and then something <laughs> happens. You know, it's kind of that Minecrafty survival type thing. Yep. And I thought Minecraft was really fun when I messed around with it for a while back when it came out. But something about this genre never grabbed me. And like you, Ben, I'm trying to figure out why I'm going to in in this podcast later tonight and then just go straight to playing more of it. It's a certain what amount of it? it's a certain amount of simplicity. I think there's also the idea, and I saw Dan Tack tweeting about this from Game Informer, but that idea that it's not as punishing. Like you're not gonna die of hunger. It's just if you eat, you get stat boosts, kind of like a monster hunter type thing. And so it's more approachable, but it also feels more hardcore. Like it looks like an old MMO from like 2003 yeah. or something. It's got or such a one game. Yeah. And so it's like maybe some old third person Elder Scrolls fans are being roped in. It's just like this perfect Venn diagram of folks to gravitate towards this thing. And then it explodes. It's a gig. The whole game is a gig. It's really incredible. Um, we're, I'll tell you one thing I, that I think maybe makes this stand out to me. Maybe I'm an idiot because maybe Rust has this and the other games do, but I didn't realize it. I love that it has that like, hey, survive and build some stuff. But also, I feel like there's more direction than I assumed this would have because it's yeah. like, there's boss fights. You need to get ready for this boss fight. It's like a Dark Souls type, you know, like, you know, take this seriously, you know, dodge and do and you, you use a range and, and bows and stuff or you hop in there and get greedy. And again, Rust might have that, but I was not aware of that. And this feels more like it's got direction. Like I've got bosses to take down and a clear line of progress to follow. Yeah, it's got a cool theme. I mean, it's getting even mythology. Uh, you're in Valheim and encountering 
you know, Odin's Raven and different dwarves and stuff like that. And there's runes everywhere that are giving you hints on, on how to take these folks down. And the building is surprisingly detailed. It, it seems cool to see, you know, what people are putting together out there. Yeah, like weird things like, oh, you have to make a little chimney for your house, otherwise the smoke will fill up. Yeah, Ben, you kept <laughs> catching your feet on fire, standing on top of my treasure chest ladder. Yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> the smoke was up, uh, like gathering at the ceiling. Like it's it's deeper in a lot of ways than you would expect. Like I love the physics on the trees when you chop them down. That stuff is really fun. The building is kind of janky in yep. terms of like trying to connect the walls and stuff, but you you do get used to it. Um, Bianca's playing with the controller, which I tried that when I played with you the other night, Ben, and. You can do most of the stuff with the controller, but you can tell it's something they need to uh, flesh out because, like, a lot of the prompts are still, you know, press E to open this or whatever. Right, um, right. And they say, I, I, yeah, they're open to it coming to consoles at some point. So I'm sure now Microsoft and Sony and maybe even Nintendo are in that arms race of like, who can get Valheim first? This hot new game, which it's so crazy. I mean, it was shown during the PC gaming show last year. And I'm sure it's just one of those things that everybody saw and was like, okay, one of those, whatever. Yeah. Another survival game on Steam. It's scratching a weird itch for me, like Tale of the Sun, because I've actually been replaying some Tale of the Sun over the last <laughs> month or so. I'm actually like over halfway through with it again. Wow. Uh, and I, I've been talking during the streams about like, man, I would love another just weird game like this, like Tale of the Sun. And I think the look helps a lot because it's got that kind of yeah. low poly PS1 look. But also like I know it's probably like Viking stuff or mythology. But to me, I just feel like a caveman running around trying to build a log cabin. And so it's just like I'm I, I'm in a Tale of the Sun mood with like, you know, the rune stones and you get like a bonus from this and you don't know what it is. And it just feels like a new tale of the sun to me. <laughs> Perfect. Exactly what you want. Uh, but yeah, Valheim, check it out. At it again. Yeah, they can't be stopped. Let us know what you think about uh, Valheim. Uh, I'm sure it'll be in the running next week for a new show. Plus, uh, I'd love to jump into the game with Leo and stream some here. So uh, if you're interested in that, you can support us on Patreon and vote for that to be the next show we air next week. Um, hey, real quick tangent. Um, I was thinking about survival games and the most successful survival games and stuff, crafting games. I, I am now obsessed with Terraria, the business mm. model of it. Terraria, I should say. Um, that developer, Relogic, is the name of the developer, the primary developer. Uh, Dan, guess how many copies Terraria has sold? Oh, my God. No matter what I say, it's going to be more than I expect. Um, 50 million. You maniac. 30 million, but still. <laughs> 30 million copies, and they haven't released another game they've published like this little game called pixel piracy but in terms of just like the secret wads of cash in the industry it's like where's the terraria money going they could have funded an army by now it, it's really bizarre they're, big they're funding that army still oh yeah, yeah maybe terraria 2 is just going to be this huge big budget it's just going to be a star <laughs> citizen or something i don't know what the hell they're doing oh weird. i thought you were going to say that there's militia running around boston at some point it's like this army's called terraria too <laughs> it's the ultimate arg is, is it like with kids or something oh, it's yeah. always weird to me when it's like because everyone i talk to plays video games for the most part and outside of tim playing it for like a month when it first came out a decade ago i've never heard anyone bring up terraria Really? Like, but I don't know any kids. Do our kids just constantly buying Terraria shirts and talking about it? Like, is it big with them? I'm just trying to figure out why I don't know anyone that plays it. I also don't know know anyone that plays League of Legends, and apparently that took over the planet. Yep. Yeah, I don't. My my frame of reference for this is my kid, and like, and she's never talked about Terraria. Loves Minecraft. Plays a lot of Roblox. Hasn't found Terraria yet, but I could see her really getting into it. Like, it seems like a very kid-friendly sort of alternate Minecraft, you know? Yeah. The look. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff. Um, Hey, Dan, do you know how this whole thing operates? 
Whole thing. Whole thing. Like the reason that we're able to be here on the cool internet airwaves. You got a Patreon. That's right. Patreon.com slash MinMax with two wins. Uh, thanks to everybody that supports us. Thanks to everybody that jumped in to play Trivia Tower. That was a really fun time. Uh, we're eager to hear your feedback. Thanks to everybody that supports us at a tier above that, including Will Cornelius. Uh, he wants everybody to know that if you own an Android or Tizen OS smartwatch and you're looking for a unique watch face with a retro sci-fi or futuristic design, download the Facer app to your smartphone and check out creator Cyberpunk. There are over 100 original watch faces, including neon and metallic backgrounds, unconventional time and date displays, dynamic battery life and stat tracking, and there's a new series of faces based on Dune's great houses. You can get free and premium watch faces available for $4.99. So thank you so much to Will Cornelius. And again, check think, that out. Do you think he has like a nice, like a neon white, maybe like a neon white? Maybe. Mm, I think so. Yeah, you're yeah. looking for a neon white one? Yeah, you can speed run your way over white. that. Yeah. yeah. What does yeah. neon white look like? It'll be there. <laughs> um, and Dan, you know what it's it like is? It's like an assassin man. in heaven. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> That's it. Comes in two cards. Dan, yes. this week, you know what we're talking about? We can only talk about what one thing. What are we thing. talking about? We're talking about Spinch on Switch. That's right, Spinch, developed by Queen Bee, published by Akupura Games. Uh, it is a psychedelic platformer and you can get the physical edition of Spinch on Switch. Thanks to IM8Bit, they have the IM8Bit exclusive edition with illustrated zine by Jesse Jacobs, a reversible cover sheet and art by Spinch creator, Jesse Jacobs. And you can also get the vinyl soundtrack to Spinch, Dan. Spinch on Switch. Are you just having fun saying it? Because it seems like it's fun to say. You can try it. It's very fun. <laughs> Spinch. Yeah. yeah right. and Speaking of physical games, remember when the Direct spent a bunch of time on yes. Hades getting a physical <laughs> release? It's <laughs> not an announcement being like, hey, remember that game that everyone loves that's been out for a while? You can hold Great it now. Yeah. Was was, a little that trailer. stuff in there, but an odd one. <laughs> I was waiting for new content of like, oh, and check that it's got all these bonus features. I was like, wait, are they going to add new content? And it's got the soundtrack and it's got an art booklet. And there was a part of me was like, I kind of want that art booklet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a good product, but it's just it was an odd place for it to show up and I get a spotlight. I got my stupid hopes up, too, because uh, I think in the Midmax Discord, they were talking about who they want to see in Smash. And somebody brought up Zagreus. And I was like, God, that'd be a really Ooh. cool, great choice. But OK, yeah. I can't imagine it happened like the, mm -mm. that roadmap has to be done at this point. Yeah. Anyway, Spinch I mean, on Switch. That's true. But anyways, hey, check this out from IM8Bit uh, and their wonderful online store. If you use the promo code Valentine's valentine's uh, you get 10 percent off everything in their store under a hundred dollars so go there support them they've supported us for a long time and they're very generous they give out a wonderful gift from their online store to a minmax community member who submits our question of the week every single week uh, and this week our favorite question will get the sword and sorcery super deluxe edition vinyl which talk about a great soundtrack i gotta go back and listen to that sucker it's great yeah. Um, so Dan, it is up to you to remember all of these questions and remember your absolute favorite question. Sure. And then they will win that sword and sorcery soundtrack for my mate bit. Known for my great memory. So okay. let's, let's do it. Great. Here we go. Josh Carmel writes in and says, what's up, Maxers? It's your boy, Leafeon. Hello, sir. Uh, what is your favorite less popular slash C tier or lower popularity Nintendo franchise? Personally, what we, hang on. What do we con consider C tier or, or lower. Well, Josh here, he says, personally, I absolutely love Golden Sun. He considers that C tier, which kind of, yeah, B, maybe, but yeah. But yeah. And C is not an indicator of quality, right? This is like, like. No, I think it's. Like if Mario and Zelda and Donkey Kong are like the, the A 
the ones everyone knows. It's we're talking. Metroid would be an A as well. Oh, what's I the B tier? This is this is like marketing budget. I think is a good way of looking at it, right? Would you put WarioWare in there? I would That's put Wario like, B. Wario's B. Like, I'm thinking like Dylan's Rolling Western. Great, great. Pocket Car, Rapture, Jockey, whatever. Yeah, a, a solid game. Yeah, for 3ds, I play a lot. Of Cross that. 3D for Cross 3D. I, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I guess so. Yeah. Advanced Wars C. Ooh. Ooh. I would say at this point, Advanced Wars is a C and Fire Emblem is a B. Again, just talking about like the amount Nintendo seems to care about those franchises. Yeah. It seems like yeah. Fire Emblem is at least a B and they've kind of forgotten about I mean, it's like a B plus. Like a, yeah. I, it's up there for them for sure. Uh, in terms of like their mobile games, it's like one of their, it's probably their most popular mobile game. So yeah. in terms of money made, I think that, yeah, but I, it would probably be Advanced Wars. If Advanced Wars doesn't count, then it's maybe Pushmo. Pushmo is a great oh, choice a for sure. Yeah. Uh, mine's kind of in that realm too. It, I, what's that, Dan? Pikmin B. Pikmin seems to be. This is yeah. this is as arbitrary as your 3D Mario. How about Rhythm Heaven? That might be mine if we would put that in the C tier. Ooh, it deserves so much more. Is that like a C plus? Yeah, B-? yeah. Well, for the Advanced Wars, so yeah, <laughs> C sharp, I think maybe. But crew, uh, crew, Corinne. I can never pronounce that last word, but that's certainly one that I think is fair to say in the C category, where it's only had three games yeah. and only one of them has been released in the states, but still fantastic. And even their spiritual successors, uh, Spinny's Journey. We stand a legend on Steam. Um, yeah, there's plenty of good stuff, Nintendo. I mean, there are so many announcements they could have made at that Direct about bringing back Carew. Chibi Robo. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's a good one. That's yeah, good I, think, I think that's a fair C tier at this point. Uh, Steister writes in, he says, Hello, everybody. Nintendo has a history of incredible announcements, from the incredibly produced and stylized fighter reveals in Smash to out-of-left-field game announcements like Mario plus Rabbids. What announcement from Nintendo left the biggest impression on you? Whether it's from an awesome trailer, surprise twist, or a new game you never thought would happen, what stands out the most? I think to me the one that comes to mind the most is just when I think of like ones I really remember, it's the Revolution reveal. Because there was so much... Hype is one of the words I would come up with here, but like also just mystery. about like I think everyone knew the Revolution was going to have some sort of gimmick. I forgot why, but Nintendo had made the phrase and clear that like this was going to be a different type of oh. uh, system with a different type of controller, you know? I think it was like a different way to wording specifically. They're like, there's a reason we haven't shown the controller is what that's right. And people were like doing all the like, Oh, we found a patent and there's a screen on the controller that you can move around, which actually that kind of turned into the game pad. I think there might've been a later patent even for, for some of that before we used it for the Wii or the Wii where they were like, Oh, it's like a different way to interact with your screen. That Mm. might be the Wii. Cause yeah, it was, it was wording like that kind of like cryptic phrasing and stuff that everyone was going crazy on message boards trying to figure out what it was. And I remember this would have been like, you know, 2005 or whatever. Somebody put out a incredibly well done fake of like the revolution revealed. I'm sure if you search for like revolution fake trailer, uh, it was called like the Nintendo on, I think. And they made this Mm. full on trailer of like, it showed like the Mario 64 castle and all that stuff, but it was all inside like this virtual reality helmet. And everyone's like, Oh my God, it's a, they're making a VR system, like a, a new virtual boy, but, but good, you know? Uh, and it was, it's probably the most convincing, or maybe I was just younger and stupider, but I remember being like, wow, crazy. It's going to be a VR thing. Like I, I bought it. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I remember one of those early actual prototype controllers for the Wii. God, I'm trying to find a picture of it. I can't find it now, but it was just like, do you remember seeing this where it was just like a star from Mario and you just like no. grab onto this like circle or stuff. No. It was just the weirdest, ugliest thing. God, I'm was it real concept stuff? It was a real thing. Yeah. Of just like alternate rejected designs for the Wii controller. But up there would be the Space World demo um, for GameCube Zelda, which 
again, I think that's why everyone started thinking that like the GameCube Zelda was going to be realistic. And that's why so many people were mad about the, the cell shading or whatever in, in Wind Waker, because we'd already seen the, the capabilities of, like, what if Zelda looked like this on the GameCube? Yeah. Um, which you know leads to the Twilight Princess reveal is one of the most like I remember downloading that off IGN like a you know five megabyte file probably and watching it a billion times that yeah. summer. That, that yeah. was the one I they released on G4. Yeah, I think in that conference they released like a, a DS cartridge with that trailer on it to the attendees, and then that ended up on eBay for like hundreds of dollars oh, like super yeah. quickly right after that. Uh, but I think I was thinking about like recent ones and I thought about the Joker trailer. But then hmm. that just made me think of the snake trailer for Brawl. I feel like that was one of the biggest, like, we're yeah. bringing in third parties into Smash. That, that was mine, was Snake and Brawl. I remember I watched it recently, and it was still just, I love how it happened. It was, like, my the, my first memory of, like, a one last thing, you know? And it was also, like, the, the trailer was so exciting up to that point. They were fine. They didn't need to have that huge reveal. Like, it just meant so much more than just Snake being in the game. It just, it meant, like... Oh, this opens the gates in a big way. You know what I mean? Before Mega Man, Pac-Man, Sonic, all that stuff. Yeah. 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 Maybe because it's just a reason in my mind, but it wasn't that long ago. But just like that good level of just being surprised by how much they pack into a direct was not that long ago when they closed out with the Link's Awakening reveal. Yeah, like that was that so was fun. Good. Like standing at my desk at Game Informer, he just opens and it's like this awesome animation of the rain. And it's like, oh my God, this is the opening scene. Yeah. And it's just such a cool moment. And just not a hint of a leak about that. Yeah. That first big like, Odyssey trailer, like they'd done the short yes, little tease yes. of Mario running, but the one where it's like, oh, I'm a frog now. Like, well, just when he jumps out and you it see this. It started with the dinosaur and yeah. then it zoomed into the hat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but it opens with the city and it was like, is this like a new Sonic game? What is this? Oh, no, it turns out we need to really pay attention. This is a huge deal. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, also, I remember Smash Brothers Ultimate because the way they would do it at E3, I don't know what the future will look like with this, but like they would let some journalists watch the direct early. Like they would put mm-hmm. us in a theater and so we could watch it in advance. And they revealed Smash Brothers Ultimate. And the way I, the way I remember writing things down, I was like, okay, I need to write... I need to make sure I'm going to start writing characters as they appear on screen in my notes, right? Like just so I have the list. So tomorrow when I can talk about this, I could just publish. Here's the roster. And I was writing them down, writing them down frantically, frantically, frantically. And then it was like, they're all here. And I just remember stopping and being like, I don't need to write anything down anymore. Like, this is amazing. Like, I just remember like I, there was a point where I couldn't keep up anymore. And I just like threw my notes up and I was like, this is incredible. I don't need to write anything <laughs> down. This is ready with them. You know? <laughs> uh, can you guys access the Discord chat? I'm going to send you a picture of this weird star controller for the Wii that I finally found. Is that accessible? <laughs> what the hell is that? I don't know how you're supposed to hold it. I don't know how it <laughs> works. It's just like, looks like, like a that dog one's toy. just a straight up TV remote. Like, it's like yeah. not even a controller. And the bottom right is just silly putty. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that one still has the GameCube uh, controller scheme. The, the ABX. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing better than good rejected controller designs. Um, Hugo H2P says, Hey there, everybody. I was just playing Graceful Explosion Machine, one of Switch's earliest titles, and remembered how much people talked about its use of HD rumble in reviews. Yet, nowadays, you barely ever see this specific console feature mentioned anywhere when talking about new games. Have devs or journalists just stopped caring about it? But as a bigger question, in your opinion, what are some of the least memorable slash unique features of a console? Something that was hyped up through PR and then no one cares about it. Pressure sensitive PS2 buttons. Yeah. Which you pretty much just use to like softly lower your gun without shooting it in Metal Gear Solid 2. Now it's just ruined every 
future version of Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3. Yeah, they're yeah. going to hold like ZR or something and then <laughs> let go of the button. Yeah. yeah. No, but you would spray more and that was fun. You would spray yeah. more ice spray for the bombs. Yeah. That's game, that's game yeah. design. Yeah, so you got to take that hard, man. Yeah. Yeah. Trismo, I think, used it. Oh, yeah. I could see that. It was back when um, Accelerate would be on X for racing games. I remember being really interested in the fact that the Wii Remote had memory in it with the idea that you could load up something on the controller and like take it to a friend's house oh, weird. and access it there. Like I think the idea was like you put your me on it and then you can take the me to your friend's house and like yeah. you know get back into the game with your me really quickly. But I don't think anyone ever took advantage yeah. of it. There was like it was like 10 or like I don't know whatever the correct number is. I think there was like 16 megabytes of memory built into it, but no one did anything with it. Face plates for the 360. Yes. Mm. Yes. Uh, the D-pad on the 64 controller outside of like wrestling games. What no did idea. you use that for? It, okay, let's really get emotional about the D-pad on the 64. Like, yes. do you this also have, do you have that thing where I mean you're so used to playing 64 games and then it kind of it's fun and exciting every once in a while to like move your hand over and be like this is like feeling a whole new controller. I just never use it. It's just right here. Is it Again, fun? I only did it during wrestling games. Okay. I, I think it's kind of admirable that it really genuinely feels like two controllers in one without feeling bulky, but I don't know. I, I want to say StarCraft 64 used it because it kind of <laughs> needed to, but yeah. I don't remember what it was for. It might have been like for control groups or something, but I might just be making that up. But I remember I remember having to like, oh, right, there's a whole other D-pad for this when I was, when I was playing StarCraft 64. I mean, I like it. I like everyone makes fun of the 64 controller and like I just like the silhouette of it. And I, I just it's such a distinct look to it that like even if I don't ever use the D-pad, really, it's just, I, I, it's one of my favorite controllers, I think. Yeah, it's not really con- console specific, I guess. Or maybe. Hang on. It was the smart glass sensation from what was that like E3 oh, 2013? Exactly. How else are you going to play Metal Gear Solid the Phantom Pain then? <laughs> Have you told this story? Oh, but uh, yeah, on the. Ground Zero's cover story trip and Phantom Pain cover story trip, they were so big. That was like a big beat that they really wanted to hit is like, oh, you've got to play Phantom Pain with this smart glass. So you have the map down there. Like they were fine ideas, but I don't think I ever used smart glass for anything. I tried it with Dead Rising 3 because that was a launch game and they were, you know, launch is when they actually try to incorporate like these new console gimmicks, you know? So it's yeah. like, oh, you can call in like these satellite strikes and stuff on. And conceptually, that is pretty cool. But like, how often are you really doing? Like, I, I was like, oh, I wonder if this will be fun for my sister to like, you know, while I'm playing and I can like, oh, Kayla, drop a bomb over there. And it's like, no, that's not actually fun or engaging at all. No, <laughs> no, it's just more of a hassle. It's the reason that like, you know, Pikmin 3 was kind of a pain in the ass to play in Wii U where it's like, oh, you can have the map on the touchscreen, then you can use the nunchucks. Like, no one wants to set that up. Like, I don't want to prop up my Wii U controller to look for an extra screen there. Remember the Game Boy Advance with the link cable for like, oh, you can go to the special island in Animal Crossing or the Tingle Tuner. And it's just like, I don't know why there's always been this obsession with that like second screen thing that never really took off. Yeah. Yeah. The whole Wii U was based on that, you know? Yeah. Uh, Dan, have you seen Rogue Heroes on Steam? No, I made a note to to take a look. Um, I heard people say some. What is it like? It's like Link to the Past art style with like rogue stuff. And it's co-op. very. It's like a Four Swords game. Yeah. Um, oh, I okay. I think it has online co op too, but it's yeah coming out February twenty third. We played it for uh, one of the last great Goaty hunts. That seemed seemed cool. Um, nice. Let's see. Spencer Botin says, "Hey everybody, I managed to get a Series X on the last or on the latest Walmart drop, bringing my next gen hunt to an official close. Congratulations." So my question for the panel: Those that have managed to get both consoles so far. Where have your preferences fallen? 
Are you still swooning over the dual senses potential? It's quick resume, the game changer you've been waiting for. Where are we at? I, at launch, definitely preferred PS5. I like the controller a lot. You know, Astro really shows the DualSense stuff really well, and I just love the hell out of Astro. And, like, the launch lineup was so much better on PS5. You know, there's so many, like, unique games to it. Whereas the Series X, I remember, like, at launch, it's like, I guess I'll do some backwards compatible games. But as time has gone on and games aren't really coming out for either of them, I'm not really turning on the PS5 that much because I've already played through, you know, what I'm going to play of the new games. And I like playing old games a lot. And the Series X has a ton. I, mean, I played through Banjo-Kazooie on it. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot better for that. So I'm currently playing Series X more, but I will probably over the lifespan gravitate towards the PS5. Yeah, I'm, I'm still playing more PS5 for sure. It still feels like my go-to home console. But every time I play the Series X, it's like, I should play this more. I like the feel of the controller. I like how many games are packed into this sucker. You're right. There's there's enough there to make it exciting every time I do boot it up. Yeah. Yeah, the UI I, seems a little snappier. Yeah, I think that the UI and the controller, I think to me, are the big are the big two things that make me prefer it overall. Like I like I'm going to the PS5 because I have to at some point, where because that's like where my destiny like group is, and that's you know where more of the exclusives are. You know, like even Persona Five Strikers isn't mm. on Xbox. But I think if there, I, at this point, if I have a choice, I think I'll probably go Series X because I like, you know, I'm just comfortable with that interface. Uh, it's a little like hit or miss, but I like the quick resume stuff. Like I was, you know, just testing it out. I was bouncing between like Cuphead and Pac-Man, like just bouncing between those two games without having to like being able to resume both of those, I think is really cool. Um, but I, I, I think both of the controllers are pretty good, but I prefer this to the Series X ones. I love the D-pad. I think it's maybe my favorite D-pad I've ever oh, wow. used. Jesus. I uh, here's I, uh, I had to set a PS5 controller off to get repaired. The buttons really? were just like, yeah, like they were just like really sticky and weird, and like it was a common problem. Like I found a Reddit thread where a lot of people were talking about it, and they, you know, Sony repaired it quickly, but it was still a, a frustration weird. to have to deal with that. Yeah, I saw. I, I'm on the same page yeah. as you guys. Like the PlayStation Five is is cool, and it will be the place where I play PlayStation exclusive games. But if if I have the choice, I'm gonna go Xbox just because it feels like a really nice piece of hardware, and it's. I also move my console around the house a lot, which is not a really a common thing. And the Xbox is way easier to move than the PlayStation because the PlayStation has like a separate stand and it's an odd shape and it's much bigger. So of course the Xbox just it's just a box. It's just a box that I put under my arm. Yeah, I'm gonna throw put like my, a football into the bedroom and it's fine. Yeah, put a GameCube handle on that sucker. Ooh, um, hell yeah. Also. Controversial statement, but I went back and uh, because we had to stream all of Monster of the Deep colon Final Fantasy 15, the standalone PSVR fishing game on our YouTube channel. Please check that out. Um, but I had to go back and play with the DualShock 4 for that one. And going back to the PS4 controller, I think I might like it more than the PS5 controller. Really? I think there's a little bit of that honeymoon period where I think I like the feel of the PS4 controller more. Oh my god, I went back and I held it for like a second after playing with the DualSense and I yeah. just vomited all over it. <laughs> really? Vomited? Yeah, I ruined it, yeah. Oh, did you send it into Sony? <laughs> no, they didn't want it. Oh my god. Was it also because you were playing Monster from the Deep in VR and you were just like, as soon as you held it, you were like, oh, I'm so motion sick, I'm going to barf into my... Yeah, there's a lot of complaints about that. Yeah, Twitter's lighting up with Monster of the Deep, Final Fantasy XV, PSVR. Everybody's talking about it. That game is weird. It's so freaking weird. The Final Fantasy team packed like a whole story into this fishing game and you're fighting 
fish like you're the end of the game you have a crossbow and you're firing it into like this demon fish as it's flying down on you and like basically a new version of Stephros theme is blasting it is a bonkers game wait hansen are you maybe the only human who has played the final fantasy 15 fishing game but has not beaten final fantasy 15 yes i am yes i am kyle thank you congratulations <laughs> mm-hmm also, we talked. Susan Touch is going to be is going to be emailing you. <laughs> we talked about it a little bit in that stream, but uh, it was this weird memory of when we visited the studio for the cover story trip back at Game Informer for Final Fantasy 15. They were starting to experiment in VR, like that team. At eventually, I'd imagine led to what became Monster of the Deep, um, and so they brought us into the side room, and they're like, "Hey, put on this VR helmet. Check it out. Check out our work." I'm like, okay, sure. So we put on the VR helmet. And it was like they had fully recreated the room that we were standing in, except like this weird digital version of it. And then on the table in front of us, which was just like the table in the conference room, there was just like a sleeping Japanese lady just sleeping on the table. And then there were like two. Yeah. Yeah, she wasn't there in real life. I don't think. I, I guess I should have checked. But yeah, just like that was their VR test is they made a Japanese lady sleeping on their conference room table and then they had like a bunch of little behemoths from Final Fantasy like crawling over her body as she slept. It was weird. It was just a thing of like, they were so proud of what they'd done, you know, and they're tech wizards, they're great. And they just put it on and be like, cool. All right, hey, keep, keep at it. Have you, have you thought of fishing? Um, let's see. Uh, Harold Lang... The fourth, he says, Trivia Tower was a blast. I got a few people interested in checking out the channel thanks to such a fun, community-focused idea. Thank you. But enough praise. My question, with the release of Bowser's Fury, it got me thinking, what's your favorite spinoff? And what makes for a good spinoff? You got to take a character that's well-liked and you want to dive. Like, I always liked the idea of Mortal Kombat Mythology Sub-Zero or mm. Nina Williams' Death by Degrees, where it's like, well, all these fighting game characters have these super sweet backstories and stuff, but like, I, you never get to play them. But it just seems like those games always suck, like Mortal Kombat Special Forces. Like, yeah, you're Jackson Sonya, but it sucks. Except for Shaolin Monks. Shaolin, okay, there's mine. There's mine. Shaolin Monks. Shaolin Monks is my favorite spinoff. And so what's the secret there? Right. Just good gameplay? It is fan service in all the best ways and that it's taking you through like, you know, the best Mortal Kombat games, the first three with all the characters and those classic designs and everything. And it's kind of like all tying it together. Like you ever play virtual Springfield, the, the CD-ROM <laughs> yeah, uh, thing where you I think so. Yeah. yeah. And it's like weird to be able to like, Oh, I can walk from like Homer's house to like the quickie Mart. I never pictured it being there in my mind, you know, whereas in Shaolin monks, it's like, okay, so I'm at the pit or I'm at the pit two or something. And then I leave and it's like, Oh, and now I'm in this other area. Area. And I never thought about these places being connected. Or I think it was MK11's crypt was like Shang Tsung's Island from the first right, one. Right, right. Like I, I love that fan service of like, hey, it's a spinoff, so we're going to give you all this fun stuff from the original thing that you love, but also let you play it in a different way. Like you're doing fatalities and stuff as Liu Kang and Kung Lao and playing through those stories, but in a totally different way. Yeah, what, um, what do you think is history's first spinoff? In games? No, like history. Like story-wise. Entertainment or just human history? Entertainment in human okay, history. The, the train from that one movie ever show up in a different movie? Yeah, the train. The Lumiere brothers. <laughs> the train was such a hit when it came towards the screen. They spun it off. That's why there's trains in other movies. It's a, it's, they're all. Yeah, con- there's one of it going away from the screen. We're all, we're like, all in the whoa. train cinematic universe. <laughs> TCU. 
<laughs> it's funny though because like you think about all these huge you know jaws you know it's typically seen as the first like summer blockbuster yeah and, and star wars around the same time you start seeing these huge ips and movies pop up in like the late 70s and i'm trying to think of any like spin up i was talking to bianca about this today because i just watched that terrible trailer for the corella deville movie did you see this i thought the trailer like, ruled some executive saw that joker made a bunch of money and i just hate this thing of like hey here's this popular thing like but what did what did, what made nurse ratchet become mean it's like no it's the it's the anakin skywalker thing that sucked 20 years ago why do we keep doing like here's the origin story of wednesday adams or, or corella deville it's just i think it's the lamest you thing you're we just talking about how much you love these mortal Kombat characters and wanted to hone in on yeah them turns out you like, just don't like disney it was kind of when i was a baby i would think it's lame no it's kind of when i'm cutting dudes with a hat going to fight shao Kahn. yeah it's corella all, deville like dude, blowing all up we buildings know about corella deville is it's the uh i Tanya director which is oh. like one of the best movies of the last like cool. decade for me I love Itania, so I'm on board talking based on that all alone. day about how lame that Cruella trailer was. It's like <laughs> this is the dumbest. This seems like a parody, like like an SNL parody of a bad like origin story. Yeah, I don't know if it's gonna be great, but maybe just because I love Disney, but like I'm all for that. Man, I saw Maleficent. That movie sucked, but I'm still glad they're like, oh, it's cool to see them reviving some of their old animation ideas. You know, like what is that? was that a spinoff of like a Disney movie? Yeah, uh, Maleficent <laughs> is Snow White. I mean, no, not Snow White. Sleeping um, Beauty. Sleeping Beauty. Thank you so much. Yeah. Jesus. Is it like her origin story? Like how she got sleepy? Yes, it is. It's a yes. story Let's about how a woman... Yeah. Just, okay. she got <laughs> it was Thanksgiving and I had it turkey. some Tylenol PM and it was, yeah, it was a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> is, um, I had that melatonin. Okay, this is, this is a weird deep cut, but do you think the first spinoff is like um, the Aeneid? <laughs> like spinning off from the Iliad? Because like Aeneas is in that and then... The Italians were like, we'll take that character and then we're going to make a whole book about his journey and it's going to be better than Odysseus's and, and whatnot. What about like the New Testament? Is that a spinoff? <laughs> what are you? That's just a sequel. <laughs> that's sequel. a classic sequel. sequel. Okay, you're right, you're right. We got you the old Testament. <laughs> Anyways, hey. Now I, oh, we got to figure out what it is. What's the first spinoff? It's the Aeneid. Wait, is it Super Mario Brothers? The guy from Donkey Kong? Hmm. It's probably gaming's first spinoff. Yeah. That's straight up a wow. spinoff. Is Mario is a spinoff? I guess so. Is Pac-Man? Is that a sequel? That's a sequel. Yeah, I think Mario would probably be the first big spinoff. There's probably something before that, but... Or would it be Mario Bros. is technically the spinoff? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I did want to... conceptualize because, like, wasn't it Jumpman and then they made Mario... Like, by the time Mario Brothers came around, was it, like, a fact that Jumpman was Mario? I think Jumpman mm-hmm. started going by his Christian name in Mario Bros., <laughs> <laughs> that's true hey Luca Rizkigno writes in uh, and says uh, I love Persona's the best spinoff by the way yeah, okay. yeah, oh. I, that, I was gonna say Persona 3 yeah oh <laughs> um, but they say I love retro games almost as much as I love modern games and there's a common sentiment that certain genres peaked years ago or decades ago and never reached those highs again do you feel this way about any games or genres and on the flip side are there any genres that you feel like have only gotten better with time I think Car Combat Car Combat has peaked yeah, because I remember as a huge Twisted Metal fan in 2010, 2011, whatever E3 that was, I remember uh, watching that Sony conference and they ended with like bringing out a big, you know, Sweet Tooth truck on stage and Gaffy yeah. came out. And, like that was the big thing. And I was like, oh my God, they're bringing Twisted Metal back. And I reviewed that. And I think I gave it a decent score, like an eight something. Yeah, but like, did. I remember thinking like, ah, eh, is this, this feels kind of like a relic at this point, you know? And unless they like did something new at this point like a cool battle royale type car combat game uh i don't 
I can't remember the last one. Like I tried to play Destruction All Stars. Yeah, there's some fun ideas there, but overall, I just think that that formula feels dated. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of these genres kind of fall in that category of like, eh, I don't know how much life is ahead of them. And I was even thinking about like RPGs, but then I was like, okay, if you really want to boil it down to the core of an RPG, like it's very rare that I felt like I'm truly role playing within a video game. So that seems like that's for the future. That's 25 years from now, I'll actually be able to fully role play in my Matrix world. So that's that's it's still funny. Like, RPG was like my example that I think is always getting better, but it's also like a matter of my personal taste. Because, like, mm. RPGs were limited. They had to have random battles, and they had turn-based because the technological capability, you know, didn't allow them to do real-time action. So as those things fall aside and the sort of large-scale epic journeys remain and you have, like, RPGs where there is no random battles and you don't have to do turn-based action, like, I have more fun with those. And I think those are on an upward trajectory, always improving. But, I mean, that's also a question of, like, well, is an action RPG isn't... Is an open world action RPG, is that even in the same genre as like Final Fantasy VI? I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. It's too murky. Yeah, I, I would say maybe character action games are kind of at that point where, like, I mean, Bayonetta 3 could be like incredible, but I think that playing Devil May Cry 5, I remember really liking that game, but thinking like, this is a really good version of something I've already played. Like there, there aren't a ton of ideas here that make me think like, oh, this this is like the next thing for devil may cry. Like I can't like, this is such a new concept. I feel like ever since they just figured out like grappling is really fun to do where like push them, like pull me or whatever. Like, I feel like that, that was like the trick that kind of completed that genre and everything since then has been like, okay, this is really well done, but I've kind of already played this game. So I would be, I would love it for Bayonetta to prove me wrong. But at this point it feels like everything else is just going to be kind of iterations on this particular archetype. It's yeah. weird, though, how some genres seem to avoid getting stale despite kind of following that same trajectory. Like, I was hoping today that we'd see, like, a Mario Kart 9. And it's like, yeah. Mario Kart has been Mario Kart since the Super Nintendo. You know, they've added, oh, here's a glider, and you know, the courses look better, and the gravity stuff or whatever. But Mario Kart 8 is the same concept you were playing, you know, 20 years ago. And I'm still just, I can't get enough of it. If I played Mario Kart right now, I'd be having a blast. Like, I don't know what's so timeless about, like, kart racing versus character action. Well, you know? forget kart. I think that's a good example of a genre that has only gotten better with time is just the racing game genre. I mean, no matter what your taste is, I mean, unquestionably, it's just gotten better on every front, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I think like even a, with, yeah go ahead. I was going to say, like, a Forza Horizon, even though, like, I'm mainly, like, an arcade racer type guy. And, and Horizon's more arcadey than more, a motorsport, I know. But, like, look at what that's done as far as, like, an open-world racing game it's with awesome. all these different things to do. You're still just a car going from point A to point B, but, like, they've managed to blow out that genre in so many interesting ways. Yeah. And meanwhile, I think, like, Mario Kart has, has actually done a pretty good job of refining itself by saying, like, okay, the, the, the basic premise is still the same, but, like, the idea of, oh, you're collecting coins on the track to get yourself slightly faster every time. I think is like a, a really neat idea that is like, oh, this is still that game. And you can like, if you played Mario Kart 64, you'll still have like, this is still the same baseline, but like kind of tuning it so that if you want to get better at it, here are these very easy avenues to do that. Yep. I think is really smart. And then there's Mario Kart live home circuit to bring it to the next level. Of course, making it real. Did you play it, Dan? I've only used it as like a gimmick when I'm doing like my amiibo battles and stuff and I need another camera that can move around the house and like scare my dogs. <laughs> but I've gotten some good use out of it that way. Oh, good. Hey, Dan, what was up with that moment a while ago where you pretended to talk to Jeff? Um, that was really confusing. <laughs> because I realized it took an hour of talking on this podcast where I was like, wait, isn't Mark Yafaba on this show? What, did you guys can him? What happened? Did he refuse to be on? Uh, he's been tweeting some pretty controversial stuff lately. You gotta oh, give him the ass. You know how it goes. Um, hey, Michael Moran writes in. He didn't answer it. Why is it here? 
I don't know, it's a four-person podcast. It's like our default is four. So we said, no, Jeff, okay. yeah. And he's, you know, he's, look, he likes Nintendo, but he's not like die-hard Nintendo, you know? This isn't so about the Ninja Gaiden Super Replay, is it? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, speaking of which, hey, Brian Tylek writes in and says, hey, everyone, this question is for Dan. Dan, have you forgiven Joe Juba for cold-bloodedly murdering Ric Flair in Tale of the Sun? Uh, no, I'll never forgive Joe Juba for anything. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> But, you know, now that I do have a new lineage of Tale of the Sun I've been working on, I have been able to let the past lie, and I've got all sorts of new uh, cavemen and adventures, you know, not yeah. to diminish the, the beauty of the, the first run through, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Joe. You know, I, no, I was going to say Joe sucks, but no, you know, I, I haven't seen Joe in a long time, and every time I, I catch up with him and get to talk to him again, it's just like, oh, I miss you. I miss you, Joe. Yeah, that's perfect. Hey, Michael Moran wrote in, and he says, do you guys tip on carryout orders? Yeah, I... Do um, I do because I, whenever I see a tip line, I feel like well, I'm gonna look like a damn jerk if I don't tip here. But then I, I've I've you know been close to people who have been like, uh, oh, what are you doing? Why do you why do you you know give dollars there? So I thought <laughs> I had a tip line, you know, uh, like at Chipotle. Chipotle is a great example. Like you know, why did you like, give yeah, dollars there? <laughs> who says that sentence to you? Probably not verbatim, but uh, I don't know. Some people have very strong opinions about that, and maybe I'm just a sucker, but it's like a lot of times if I see a tip line, I'll be like, all right. Yeah, I had that same experience where I I think we ordered pizza, and then I was like, uh, I think someone said, like, here, I'll pay for it. Here's the money. And then I, I remember bringing up, like, well, did, did you have, like, is this is enough for the, the pizza and the tip? And he just was, like, very, like... What? Why would you tip someone for a carryout? You're going to go get them. You're tipping mm. them because they came to you. And I'm like, oh, I remember just tipping. Uh, but what? I'm not gonna make a big big deal out of it. Uh, but I remember like there was a like, heated conversation about whether or not you tip people. So it's a weird thing to have really strong opinions about because usually it's like, hey, like they don't make enough money as it is anyway, so you may as well tip them. Yeah, but, I mean the pay structure for like restaurant staff is really shitty. So like I always put that slider all the way to the right when I have the opportunity because it's like, it's just crappy the way they can get a lower wage. And I mean, there are certain places like Chipotle and Domino's where I think they get, you know, their nor- normal wages, which is good. But yeah. yeah, I always, especially now and during the pandemic, I always put it up. Yeah. Like, yeah. One of the, one of the fun perks of working at Game Informer was when Ooh. we went on trips yes. and yeah. just expense tips. I was like, how much would you like yes. to tip your Uber driver? The maximum possible. Yeah. As much as I can without getting in trouble. Thank you. Yep. Absolutely. Everybody's like, all right, crank it up to the max. Here we go. Thanks, Papa GameStop. And look at the ride was terrible. You get five stars because I got the ride for free. And now they're one of the (laughs) richest companies in the world. So we only help them by draining their funds. I feel strongly about it because I remember when I first learned about the concept of tipping is uh, I was with my mom and like she was paying the bill on something and she wrote a tip and I was like, mom, what's that? What's that mean? What's the tip? And she goes, oh, well, that's, you know, it's bonus money you you give the, the waiter or the waitress uh, on top of what it costs your food. And I was like, why would you do that? She goes, well, you know, because I don't like, you know, get paid as much, whatever. And I remember as a small child being like, but you don't have to, you don't have to give them that money. She was mm-hmm. like, no. But you do. And she was a waitress the whole time I was growing up. She was a Chili's waitress. And so it was like she put the fear of God into me because like I was like, well, I'm never when I get grown up, I'm never going to give a tip. If you don't have to, that'd be silly to give someone money. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. And she came down on me so hard. And like ever since I got older, it's like, OK, you, you tip well, you know, that's the least surprising story I've ever heard about you. <laughs> it's really just <laughs> me. And I was like, I don't want to give my money away. Yeah, it's, it's just that Homer joke on the 
episode of The Simpsons with uh, Mr. Bergstrom, like a substitute teacher. They go to the museum and Homer's like, wait, so that's a donation box? I don't have to put any money in there? And then he sees Mr. Bergstrom start to put money in there. He's like, no, 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 sir, you don't have to do that. It's optional. <laughs> to then get the tip back, get the tip back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, Felix Davin writes in, he says, hey, everybody, once the pandemic page will be turned, do you think game writing will turn to more comedic themes and characters overall? A lot of collectively praised games in the last decade tend to be a bit bleak. Maybe this is a giant sigh we're going through. Will maybe this giant sigh we're going through will result in happier games? I like that idea a lot. I think it will. Yeah. You look I think even art like sort of is reflective of the state of mind, and right now we need positivity to sort of build us up a little bit. So even I something think, like I think across all media, I think it'll be happier. I think it's just it's always been all across the spectrum. You would have like super you'd have Katamari Damacy, but then you'd also have, you know, these games that were like oh, Twisted Metal Black, you know, and you'd have very cartoony stuff. Then like, you know, loaded and kind of try hard uh, like, oh, this is hardcore edgy. This is M rated. Like, that's not a new thing, really. I think but you, you would agree that like I mean, reboot. I mean, I think it's too easy to be like, oh, you know, the last of usification of the industry or even, you know, peak. Zack Snyder, even though I guess we're about to hit peak Zack Snyder, but you know, like the Batman v Superman, like that kind of shift in media, I feel like there is enough of a momentum wave to feel like, eh, it seems like we've gotten darker over the last 15 years in terms of the, the gritty Marvel reboot. Dark? The what? I, are the Marvel movies dark? Or is that like, you no. said Batman and Superman. I, I realize I don't know if these movies are like dark or anything. Like, is that across the board with superhero stuff? No. No. I mean, no. I, Marvel is this sort of, I think I talked about it recently, the, the sort of trend that I point to of like taking childhood things very seriously. So I think it's like dark in that regard, but they do, they are comedies. I think Marvel movies are comedies almost first and foremost. Yeah. You know, hmm. but yeah, I don't know. It's an odd question. Yeah. But you think of even, you know, is there any factor for Fall Guys' success with the pandemic? I guess maybe just playing online, but is there something. It's just probably a percentage of a percentage, you know, like it's party game stuff. I mean, Mario Party was always popular, you know, it's yeah, that's true. I, yeah. I just think there's going to be a lot more attributing. Like, I would like to see stories of people saying, well, my game was going to be dark, but then the pandemic happened. So I decided to make it lighter. Right. Whereas I think what you're going to get is like, well, we made it happy. You know, like, here's our happy game. We made it happy because we wanted to get away from the pandemic versus like, oh, we really wanted to lean into the pandemic for like whatever darker yeah. stories the, they want to tell. The Balan Wonder Worlds. Yeah, yeah. Darkest story ever told. (laughs) Yeah, I think the thing that's different now is this is the first kind of time period I've ever seen that backlash against something like you know, like Last of Us Two. It's a dark game, and I saw so many people be like, "Mm, "Things are pretty rough right now. I don't think I can play a sad game." And like, I've never ever heard that before. When like you know, a dark game came out, people were like, "Mm, "I'm just not. I can't do this right now." And I feel like just this like last couple years. Yeah, engaging with stuff I think has changed dramatically a lot. Where, because right now I'm, I'm like basically pinching the Great British Breaking Show, something I wouldn't have done like otherwise. Like, I don't think I always like to like have a list of like, here are the TV shows I have to watch. And I've very like in, in the pandemic, just like, I'll just watch whatever like my first impulse is. And right now it's watching people like, I don't know. That's perfect, man. <laughs> Meet Tornado Rates and he says, when you're playing a melee combat based game, where do you prefer the attack buttons to be on the controller? R1 and R2 or square and triangle? Always. Square triangle for you, Dan? Yeah, uh, I think I'm in the same camp. I think just c- this comes down to are you a From Software fan or not, right? Well, no, I think it just depends on the game for me. If there's a block button, I generally like the the trigger stuff. But if there's if it's like Devil May Cry where there's no real block button, uh, then square and triangle I think is fine. 
I think it's yeah. it's like the, the the shoulder buttons make me act more deliberately, so that's why I, like usually when there's a block or like a parry button, I think that's usually when I like to use the shoulders. Yeah, I just like I can't I don't find comboing as effective on R one and R two yeah. in general. Like like uh Phoenix Phoenix Rising, I feel like could have should have been square and triangle because it was a much quicker. I was tapping R one a lot, which doesn't like I think it works in Dark Souls because you're not really tapping excessively if you're playing it well, you know. Or you're not like stringing stuff like I need to do my R1, R1, and then my R2 combo. Like there's not like a complicated sequence that you need to pull off. It is like get your attacks in while you can. Uh, Whereas in something like Devil May Cry, it's like it is like you have to do like forward back in the air or whatever. So that stuff, that more complex stuff, I think uh, works better on square and triangle. Yeah, Yeah, like the flashier Devil May Cry, like fighting game type moves versus like the deliberate from software stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, Charles Davis writes in. Uh, specifically for you, Dan. He says, you're dead. Hmm? Charles, <laughs> wake up. Uh, he said, I'm sorry. He said, you're dead. And out of this world. The next thing you see is a prompt that gives you the following options. Which do you pick? Next level, restart, spectate, or new game plus? It's just like a black screen white text you choose between those four next level restart spectate or new game plus and you're so holding it you're break it all down yeah let's break it all down next level would be like a reincarnation situation right no, so you no, could no, be a grasshopper you could be a rich guy i don't think so no, i think you continue i think you pick up where you left off i take next level to mean moving to whatever another world oh. or dimension would be like some sort of ascension or something so that's scary. There's a mystery there. There's okay, a mystery. So that's next level. What's yep. the next one? Restart, which I think would be reincarnation within your own body. As they say in Brave Friends and Musashi, Memory when white. you die, Brave Friends and Musashi says, if I get reincarnated, I want to be Musashi again. And so I think that's a situation there. Okay, well, I don't know why you would ever pick Restart over New Game Plus. If New Game Plus is start again, but with all, like, you could be like a super smart baby and get rich real quick. Yeah, um, I guess that's a good point. Yeah, it's th- maybe that's the distinction. Yeah, Restart is like wiping your memory and yeah, the new game, game plus, plus is, the way is to go here. smart rich baby because everybody knows Dan yeah. if you had all your memories and you were a baby how would you get rich well I would wait till I well because you you don't have to wait I don't know babies but I yeah. am assuming you don't need to wait for your vocal cords to like grow I mm. bet it's just your brains are stupid when you're a baby so let's say I'm three weeks old and my vocal cords work I've got a little baby voice but I'm just like e equals mc squared and then all of a sudden I'm on the today show and then I'm writing books and stuff, and everyone's going to buy the baby book. I like the idea of you being <laughs> birthed, pulled out of your mother, and as you're coming out, just me, 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 just like getting ready to talk a meal. You would scare the hell out of everybody. Simpsons really fell off a cliff after season 10. So, so as a baby, oh, you'd be the world's first baby on Cameo? <laughs> Ooh, I would go 500. By the way, number one gamer on Cameo right here. Right, That's buddy. a shoot. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do, I did a child's birthday party booked from Cameo. I literally like performed because the, kid, they, the dad was going to get the kid a magician and the kid said he wanted a famous video gamer. And so the dad didn't, <laughs> he just like went on Cameo and I'm the number one gamer on there. And he's like, do you do kids birthday parties? And I'm like, I do now. What do you want? And I taught the, I zoomed in and I, I taught the kid Mega Man and Mario tricks and stuff. And there were like 40 kids on the call and it was a beautiful chaos. It was great. It was a live call. There's live cameos. Yes. It's great because like, okay, so there were like the parents and then there were like a billion kids. It was a seventh birthday party. So there were like a lot of kids that were like six or seven uh, who some of them, despite the parents saying, hey, please mute your call. 
teaching cool tricks. They had all the questions in the world or just wanted to tell me that they were eating candy. Uh, and then cool. like 20% of the call was like older relatives. So it's like, <laughs> as I'm trying to explain like that, I got a Guinness record for playing Mario or they put me in LA Noir. It's just like, here's two 70 year olds. just like, <laughs> on a Zoom call, just clearly have no idea what's going on. Whereas the kids went nuts when you said L.A. Noir. He's dropping no. the L.A.N. bomb! <laughs> you know what the best part was, though, that genuinely just filled me with joy? The game that I brought up uh, that all the kids lit up for and were asking questions for and telling me their Prairie. stories and everything. No. <laughs> Breath of the Wild. They were all oh, telling nice. me about all these things they did. And I remember thinking like, ah, oh, it's great. It's not just this nostalgia old man thing where it's like, I loved it because I'm old and I grew up with it or whatever. It's like all these like seven year olds telling me about like, oh, I did this thing and I put on a Bokoblin mask uh, and they all thought I was a Bokoblin. Like it was amazing. Do you think there was like a parent hovering over the disconnect button just in case you got weird at any moment? <laughs> no, I, I did some like tech tests with the dad and stuff ahead of time. They were, they were cool with me. They were great. That's bizarre. So the point is you would be a big, fat, rich baby on Cameo? Yeah, I think you could easily you could easily pull a grand a Cameo if you were a talking smart baby. If you're like a boss. And you don't baby. even have to be like smart by adult standards because I'm not a smart guy. But yeah. compared to babies, oh my God. <laughs> I would wreck shop on those babies. Oh my God. If I'm in jeopardy against any kid, I will rock them. <laughs> Please, whoever's running yes, Jeopardy yes, now, get, get him in yes, there. I will use my knowledge of basic motor skills to decimate the field. <laughs> Kyle, how old your shapes? kid now? You want to bring shapes into this? <laughs> Kyle, how old's your kid? Nine. I could probably beat your kid in a, in a smart competition. As, as an adult or a baby? Now, now. Well, it would it'd be the same smart. So, like, smart baby me would also beat your nine-year-old child. Well, that's a good Are question. Are you good at math? Are you a math guy, Dan? I'm, I'm good at uh, everything up to, like, like calculus and stuff. Any kind of mental math and stuff I'm pretty good at. I wonder, mm -hmm. it, what about, like, what your daughter's learning about right now in school? Like, is she taking, like, a geography class or, like, a, you know, biology class or something, Kyle? Like, it'd be interesting just to see, like, all right, right now she's learning about basic American history. Would she know more yeah. than Dan? I think that's a close she race. She learned a lot about President's yeah. Day today. Well, Ooh, what's your President's Day knowledge? The day itself, it's it's about yeah. presidents. That's about all I know. Yeah, which which two specifically? Washington and Lincoln. All right, all right that's smart. good. That's yes. good. I thought, <laughs> Hanson, I thought you were going to ask, could, could baby reincarnated Dan take on Claire, <laughs> Kyle's sister, now? <laughs> could nine-year-old Claire beat baby Dan with his knowledge of motor skills? With his, like, baby not, new game plus Dan, yeah. which is me. Right, right, right. my brain now. And we aren't paying enough attention to the spectate option, which, like, a no-clip <laughs> camera through Your life nose. would be pretty cool, but what, I, what scares me there is there's no like end game in sight. So like that sounds pretty sweet, but I would get tired of it after two weeks. And then it's like, all yeah. right, ready for the next one. And it's nothing. And You're then, stuck there forever. When the sun blows up, when the sun blows up, you need to find where the other intelligent life is. And yeah. I don't know how fast you can move, how fast the camera is, but I mean, you could just be floating around in space forever. So that's, that's a no go. You, it's you, very you tempting. Press the D -pad to go to the next character. Oh, um, okay. There we go. You spectate all your teammates. Yeah. Dan, yeah. if you had Man. that, what would be your first spectate move? Where would you no clip fly to? Before the sun blows up? Like yeah. Now? Like right now, if you could no clip fly. The um, White House? Or is that lame? What's that? White House? White House bathroom? I'd probably go see what Norm MacDonald is doing right now. You know what he's doing. He has his hand halfway down his pants and he's eating chips and gambling on some sport, sport game That's, you've never seen. You're 100% correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's tweeting about golf. And sweatpants. <laughs> oh boy, I've chosen correctly for the afterlife. 
That's a great question. I don't know. White House is too boring. No, go ahead. I was gonna say White House is too boring. Yeah. 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 Um I would just want to see the day to day of certain people. I've always wanted to know what Miyamoto's just day is. What does he do? Gardening. He tweets about golf, Gardening. hand down his pants. Is he program? Anything? Does he just like sit in a white room and write down ideas? Like, I have no idea. I bet he's, I bet, yeah. I bet he just like waters plants for seven hours. That's what I imagine his life is like. Practices banjo. I think, although I think he's over banjo. I think that was more 64 era. So now mm. he's probably moved on. He does like one Now he's into nuts and bolts. We all have jokes. You know, like, tables are like the, uh, the the chilies things when there's kids and you got crayons and you can draw on the table. Do you think he's like, there has to be creativity everywhere? I, I, so. I bet he's a lot drier and more boring. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, he he like one hour in the office every day where, where he walks around the office, tells all the people at the office he's got to do a wahoo here and then he's got to do a wahoo there. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to go garden for seven more hours. See you guys later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, New Game Plus sounds so weird. But it's I guess the best one, I guess that would be the best way to go. But you'd spend but so much of your time like it, second guessing yourself and trying to be like, be cool, pretend you don't know everything, even though you're a nine year old. Don't be outed as a smart no, nine year old. No, you gotta know how are you gonna get rich? How are you gonna be a rich, baby? If you're trying to hide that you're and smart, don't you know from your cameo funds, money doesn't buy happiness. Your pot of cameo thing. gold. New Game Plus is great. That's the obvious answer to this question. I think. Yeah. I also, I just need to know that like, cause I'm real, I like my life a lot. And so I want to make sure that all the core path of my life, you know, I got to make sure like, oh. oh, I hope I don't do anything. I hope being a rich, smart baby doesn't change me as a person. So that when I meet Bianca, you know, years later, she's going to be like, oh, you seem like someone who grew up as a rich baby. I don't like you. Right. You know? so, or like, so yeah, the Bianca- idea is that you're reliving your life with all yeah. of the knowledge that you had. You're not like being reincarnated with all your knowledge. You're like, time is not moving forward in this scenario. Mm. You would have a different life experience of like you would get rich and famous and stuff and it might change you as a person and thus have consequences uh, later. You you can't just recreate the same path if you had a different life growing up, you know? Everybody leave a YouTube comment if you're reliving your life. I'm curious if anybody (laughs) out there is because I don't think either any of us are. Any new life pluses pluses out there? Anyways, yeah, next level would be cool too. Anyways, thanks for writing in Charles Davis, but the answer is New Game Plus. Um, Dan, what do you like? Favorite question of the week here? Um, I like, uh, I think it was a timely one with the Nintendo announcement impact. Uh, I thought it was fun to kind of think back mm. and like, oh yeah, I remember all these oh, things. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that Afterlife that last one. That last one. It's yeah, really, it's a humdinger. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I like that. Uh, everybody else likes the Nintendo announcement? I like yeah. Nintendo announcement. Yeah. All right. Sure. There we go. That is Steister. Congratulations, Steister. Uh, I Mapit will ship you out a wonderful prize from their wonderful online store. And thanks to everybody else that submitted a comment, which is uh, available to everybody who supports us at any tier on Patreon. Uh, we have a post every week, and then you leave your comment there. And then we read it on the show, and we and you make the show better. I think is how it works. Um, now it's time for something we call Get a Load of This. Uh, Kyle, hit us, dude. Mm-hmm. So this was something on Reddit. I believe it was in a subreddit. Oh, your that voice is gross now. Something along the lines of what? What's that? Your voice is gross and clipping. What? Okay, maybe it's better now. Oh, Trey. here is this better? No, you shut Let's up for a little again. bit. Uh, Serial, you, you do your get a load of this while Kyle's mic okay. sorts itself out. Okay. Uh, so get a load <laughs> of this, uh, Dan. I'm I'm sure you'll love this. This is I feel like this just combines all of your interests. Uh, yesterday they announced a Dota anime. 
boy. Uh, called Dota Dragon's Blood. And it's going to be on Netflix, and it is animated by the studio who did Legend of Korra. Oh, weird. Uh, so, the, yeah, they, they showed off a trailer. It's like a minute long. It's got two characters I don't care about, Dragon Knight and Marana. <laughs> Because uh, there's like a, which uh, you, if you're gonna make a series about this, I guess they're two human characters. A lot of the character, most of the characters, I would say in Dota aren't even human. So I guess, but it's like I don't. I've kind of, I very quickly realized like this is a thing that I, that is meant for me. Yeah, and I don't know that I super care that much. That's a bad sign. Right now, predict it. Will it get a season two? I think it'll get a season two, and that's it. That's it. Okay. But like, I don't know. Yeah, this, this could have sense of like, I watched the trailer and like, this could not be Dota and I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Cause I don't know. I don't know what that story has to do with Dota. Cause there's not, like no real story. Like, I don't know what they're going to talk about. Like the story of how like dragon Knights like dragon tail stun went from three to 3.25 seconds when he went to level seven. Like mm. I, that, that can't have anything like my interest in Dota is based on those kinds of dumb things. Whereas this is like, I don't care how, how, this guy became the dragon knight i don't like it's yeah. not an interesting story yeah but i'll watch it be like a uh, Yu-Gi-Oh approach that like teaches the game you know as part of the plot <laughs> oh, the first boy. episode is i'm just standing around near creeps going i'm gonna get you later but not right now i have to kill this creep <laughs> uh hey get a load of this um maybe everybody else on the internet has pieced this together but i heard it on the kind of funny games daily podcast and i was like oh that's such a smart choice so they revealed the release date for ratchet and clank rift apart and then hmm. at the very end of that PlayStation uh, post, they say, oh, I think it's June, by the way, Dan, June 11th, maybe. Okay. Um, but okay. the end, bottom of the post, they say, and yes, we know you're asking for the new Lombax's name. This is the female Lombax that's at the end of the trailer. Um, and it's not that, and it's not fair that we put her in the art and we aren't telling you her name yet. Hang in there. You'll be feeling rosy soon. And so everyone's like, her name is Rosie? What? But then, of course, the internet immediately pieced it together. And it's such a smart name choice. Does anybody... Having a, a guess for what her name is? A female Lombax and their hint is Rosie? Rashetta. Uh, no. Is it that poster? Yes. Like, uh, yes. And she's holding a wrench? She's oh, the, 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 we can do it? Uh, yeah. What's that, Zuriel? Rosie, right? Yes. So the guess is, oh, her name is Rivet. Which oh, Ratchet isn't, and Rivet. Isn't that a brilliant that's, name? That's very good. It's that's like very good. It's like top-notch Nintendo treehouse. They'll probably just say that her name is Rosie and people are overthinking it, but if it is in fact Rivet, that's like, oh, that's the perfect that's really perfect good. choice. I mean, I'm more interested in her height personally, but All right, here we go. She's yeah. actually 19 feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> they should just say that whatever. It's the match and click universe. Everything's big. All right, Kyle. the camera cuts off before we see Kyle's boner. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kyle, tell us to get a load of Which something. Is also Oh no! <laughs> All right, so is my mic working now? You betcha. Okay, so there was this Reddit subreddit. There was like a thread that was like things that you accept as canon in fiction that like has never been stated as canon. And someone posted Kermit caused September 11th. Jeez, not really much of a fan theory though, since it's unintentionally canon. And then they came back a little while later and said, "Edit, realize this should be explained in the 2002 <laughs> TV film. It's a very Merry Muppet Christmas movie, there's a part where an angel shows Kermit an alternate reality where he was never born. For whatever reason, the editors didn't really think about it and continued to use footage with the Twin Towers still standing for this oh scene. However, they aren't there in his original universe. Oh Therefore, something that Kermit did, Kermit did in his life did in fact cause September 11th in Muppet lore. 
He's new show plusing it. I mean, new game plusing it. <laughs> He's like, all oh, my knowledge, I'm going to cause 9-11. Oh, spot on. My God, Jim Henson, ladies and gentlemen, on the call. <laughs> Unbelievable. Blue uh, sky, blue sky. Uh, Dan, do you got one here? Yeah, get a load of this. Uh, you got a, uh, you told me I got to make sure to say get a load of this uh, beforehand. Yeah, so very smart. Uh, okay. Do you have the, the thing I sent you? Here it is. This is a clip with music from Super Mario 64, and it goes places, but it's a little bit of a journey here, so sit tight. Yes. So it's going to take a second, so it's going to play a little bit of the very beginning of 64 when, like... Yeah, we're hearing it. Shut up. We're listening. Over this. For the video, it does show, like, a timeline. Somebody brought this into like, audition or something, and then, like... Each time it plays it, it's bringing it tighter and tighter and highlighting a certain part of this music, and then let, let it keep going. Okay. And then. Still going. transitions to that's the music from donkey kong yeah so that tiny little bit there is a little reference to that looping part from donkey kong that is but it's just this tiny little thing so like you keep cropping it down yeah and you just take these notes here and it's like oh that's the donkey kong loop so nope. you're saying koji kondo no new ideas coming total hack it's it's a really <laughs> cool idea and maybe it's just like oh these notes feel yeah, like mario cool. and it's a coincidence but that'd be so cool if it is just the general mm-hmm. vibe. It's like uh, it's like the backwards uh, Zelda's lullaby from Skyward Sword, kind of. Right. That song is still so awesome. When that was blasting in the trailer, got me all excited again. Um, hey, get a load of this. Uh, people in the community submit get a loads of this or whatever you want to call the plural um, in the wonderful Min Max Discord, which you get access to if you support us at any tier on Patreon. And Interada uh, sent this tweet from Tom McGovern, and I first saw it and I was like, okay, I think I get it, but. Um, Let's just sit this one out. So this is a tweet from Tom McGovern and it says, Jack and Diane, but all the lyrics are sucking on a chili dog, <laughs> which is a line from that song. Yeah. But, okay, here we go. Sucking on a chili dog, 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 sucking on a chili dog. Sucking on a chili dog, sucking on a chili dog, chili dog. Sucking on a chili dog, sucking on a dog, sucking on a chili dog, chili. Sucking on a chili dog, sucking on a dog, sucking on a chili dog, sucking on. Good stuff. Oh, here we go, yeah. Sucking on chili dog, sucking on a dog, sucking on a chili dog, sucking on chili, sucking on a dog, sucking on. All right, that's it. Sucking down chili dog, sucking on. It's sucking on a chili dog. Always been a weird lyric. All right, thanks to the community for submitting that. Oh boy! All right, time for plugs, everybody. Um, Dan, what do you want to plug, man? 
Uh, it's all on danreichert.com, uh, R-Y-C-K-E-R-T. Uh, that's, you got the Twitch, uh, you got the, you got the cameo, got the Instagram, all that stuff. So Dan Riker pretty much everywhere. And then panning the stream wherever you get your podcast apps. It's me and my wife, Bianca, watching stuff on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and all that business and talking about it every week. Uh, that's kind of my stuff. And then, yeah, just follow on the uh, Twitch channel and do all sorts of old stuff, new stuff. It's all games. So yeah, see you there. We'll see yeah, you there. Do you have in the queue for painting the stream? Do you have Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar? You I saw a couple people mention that. Is that a comedy? Yes, I think you would like it. I think. I've heard that. We tend to not do a ton of comedy stuff because like we started, we, we did a little bit early on and then it's just like, well, if it's good, it's just like, hey, this joke was funny. And it's right. like there's not a lot to, you know, so we, we tend to not do that, well, but maybe we should just watch it. If you watch it, just send me a tweet and tell me what you think of it. I just want to know okay. what you think of it. Mm, I can do that. Interesting. Um, let's see. From Max stuff, we have a lot of stuff going up this week. Uh, Surreal and Jeffum hosted a new show plus show that people voted for where it's gaming's greatest debates. And they said old debates uh, in the courtroom uh, that people submitted in chat. So that was a fun time. Uh, Kyle uh, hosted or conducted an interview with the narrative designer for Little Nightmares 2 that's on our YouTube channel and also in the Patreon exclusive podcast feed. Um, Trivia Tower we mentioned. We'd appreciate if you checked out Trivia Tower. If you miss bar trivia, you want some fun video game trivia, check it out on our YouTube channel. Any help sharing it would be appreciated. Also, uh, we mentioned it last week, but we renamed MinFax, which is our Patreon exclusive podcast. It is now MinMax Council. Um, and Kyle called in this week uh, to the Minimax Council, and in that episode, we run through the history of Grezzo, who's the studio who did the Link's Awakening remake, and also uh, the Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. But Dan, it's right. an interesting studio where it's founded by Koichi Ishii, who was the director and creator of the Mana series, but he also goes back to the earliest Final Fantasies. And so he's the reason he invented Chocobos, Moogles, Crystals in Final Fantasy. Like, so much came from this guy. And he said that originally... These were all like elementary school sketches. And he said there was a Chocobo, a Moogle, and a third creature, which they never included. And he never mm. reveals what this creature is. But anyways, we talk about that history of Grezzo. It's an interesting little tidbit. So you can huh. check that out in the Patreon exclusive podcast feed. Um, also on our music podcast, Crossfade, uh, Gareth Coker, the composer for Ori and Immortals, was on last week. I missed this, but apparently he's co-composing Halo Infinite. Um, and on that episode of our Crossfade podcast, he talks about composing Halo Infinite, which is the first interview about the music for Halo Infinite. So if you want to check that out, it's in the Crossfade podcast uh, in your favorite podcast app. He has some interesting thoughts just on Halo music philosophically. Um, also on Monday, we have an interview coming up with uh, your former coworker, Dan, uh, Ben Pack. Oh, yeah. yeah from yeah. Giant Bomb, talking he about was- his life now. <laughs> I heard something from him recently. Uh, I should have said during the Valheim thing, but it cracks me up. I guess uh, Valheim is one of those games where you just do something more and you level up. And I think he said a macro or something to just jump all night while he was asleep. And so when he woke up, his character was level 80 and he jumped so high that he took fall damage from his own jumps. That's so good. That's awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah Valheim's a good game. Um, and thank you to everybody who supports us on Patreon. Thanks to everybody who supports us at the $50 tier. I'm talking about Will Cornelius, I Am 8-Bit, Joar Hello, Mirko Rico Terreno, Moonface Nick, Zachary Pliggy, Beaten Down Brian, Seth Ludwig Roque, Mark Seliga, Andrew Valla, Jesse Vitelli, Super Serious Sam, Thomas Hoster, Yarrow, Spiraling Your Eyes, Richard Smuts, Clint Farley, Spider Dan, Pretham Yarlagata, Clayton Myers, Starkiller, Steve Bamdad, Slick Nick, and Alex Payne. Thanks so much, everybody. Dan, thanks for being here, dude. Anytime. It's a blast. That's great. All right. Thanks so much, everybody. Be good. Have fun. Let's go. Let's go.